now, introducing the man who also picked off Lamar Jackson last night, only to have it called back because fans can't interfere in the field of play. He has the ball hawk skills of a young Ed Reed. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Good to be back. Hope everybody had a lovely holiday weekend. Thanks to those of you who joined us last night for Project Game Day. We had a great time. Late night. Not a lot of sleep, but that's okay. The Ravens won, so, you know, you, you deal with those. Uh, if you missed it, Project Game Day is available right now by going to the uh, videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video and encourage you to wait a couple hours, enjoy this program, and then go enjoy that program. But a fun time uh, with KZ last night. Project Game Day returns this Sunday. Rita is back, the NFL chick. She will join us for the Baltimore-Pittsburgh matchup. I'll be with you at halftime. She's with me post-game. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports for both shows. PressBoxOnline.com slash radio as well for the post-game show. It's all brought to you by Window Nation, Glory Days Grill, and Underdog Fantasy Football. Um, look, man, we all watched the same game. We all saw the same thing. It is what it is. If you're going to do the bit where you want to act like the Ravens lost, then, you know, you you take it somewhere else. If you are angry today, I I I, I don't know the hell you're angry about. This is the NFL. This is the way things go. Um if you're if you're concerned and you're still not sure just how good the Ravens are, okay. I mean, I hear you. I'm, I'm listening. I get it. You have every right to be concerned. You have every right to be um, worried about whether or not this team really is best built to be a Super Bowl winner. But so is everybody else. I mean, everyone in the NFL is feeling the exact same way that you're feeling today. And I get it, that doesn't make you feel any better about your team specifically, but it's the reality. The reality of the circumstances is there's no city in the NFL where they're waking up today and saying, dude, we got this thing. We got nothing to worry about. Everything's good. The Ravens are the top seed in the AFC at the moment. And yes, I get it, that seems weird, and you might not fully believe that they are the best team in the AFC? I don't think I do, for what it's worth. And power rankings will be out tomorrow, and I'm pretty sure I'll have the Patriots ahead of the Ravens. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure of that. I almost think I can give that away. But, you know, it's the reality. These The reality is the Ravens are 8-3. and three, And there's no one left on the schedule that you fear. You want to say that maybe you should fear the Bengals? We talked about this last night. Should you fear the Bengals? Yeah, maybe. can make the argument. They they beat the crap out of you at home. Now you got to go on the road. They're playing good football. They clearly looked dominant yesterday against a division opponent. Like, you want to make an argument that you should fear the Bengals? I'd hear you. But we also have seen the Bengals look pedestrian in recent weeks, at best. So... Nah, I don't think I can tell you that I fear them. Should you fear the Packers because they looked good yesterday? I mean, they just lost the week before that to the Vikings. There's no one on the schedule 
that you fear, which doesn't mean the Ravens are certain to win every game the rest of the way. I'm not trying to tell you that either. Abundantly clear that I'm not trying to say the Ravens should just waltz past all six teams that are remaining on their schedule and finish the year 14-3 and and it's cakewalk. Um, it's an awkward conversation that we're having in one of the most awkward years in NFL history. And a lot of people would point out that there are more years that are like this than there are years where there are completely overwhelmingly dominant teams. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I, I don't have all the research in front of me to know if that's the case. But this is as open as an NFL season has ever felt in my lifetime. And by the way, in some of those other seasons, the team that we thought was dominant, the majority of those seasons, the team that we thought was dominant, didn't win the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's frustrating because we all want to know the answer today. We all, we're all we sitting here. It's the edge of the start of December. We all want to know who's going to win the Super Bowl. We all want to know if our team's going to win the Super Bowl or not. I don't know. I don't know. My guess is probably not. But I feel that way because I think there are like 14, 16 teams that all have a chance, and you're only one of them, and those odds don't seem so great. They're south of 10%. So that means there's a greater than 90% chance that you're not winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah, the odds aren't great. But, eh, it's fun to be 8-3. and three. It's not something you apologize for. It's, eh, the best way I can say this, it's not that we're spoiled because there have been far fewer Ravens teams. Like the team from two years ago that was dominant, that was just a well-oiled machine from week five on, that's been extremely rare in Ravens history. There was that team. There was the 06 team, obviously. Of course, we all know that both of those teams lost their first playoff game. There was... The year before the Ravens won the Super Bowl, the team that lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, that was a pretty dominant team throughout the course of the regular season. They won a playoff game. They beat the Texans before they lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. There have been a few dominant regular season Ravens teams, but a few in, you know, what's a 25 years of history. Man, far more of these. Far more of these imperfect... Hard to figure, gritty, whatever other adjective you want to throw in here. Sometimes not particularly pleasant to look at. That wasn't aesthetically pleasing last night. I think, ugh, was about the perfect way to describe it. Sure, I mean, there's been far more of this in Ravens. We're used to this. And this is fine. It's fine. It's not fine for Lamar Jackson to throw four interceptions in a game. We all know that. We all know that's unacceptable. We all know that can't happen. We all know that that's not there. There is no way that you're going to win a Super Bowl if Lamar Jackson is getting picked off four times a game. We all know that's the case. But that's the outlier, of course. If you want to be particularly concerned about the fact that Lamar Jackson has played 
back-to-back probably the two worst games of his career? Okay. Sure. Be concerned about that. How much of that, the the four interceptions of really bad games, are based on the fact that the Ravens just cannot run the we ball? Talked about that ad nauseum. Like they they you you don't even have to plan to stop the run against them because they can't do it. And and if that's the case, which it very well might be, that's understandable. But it ain't changing either. Yeah. Like they're, they're not going to start running the ball next week. So we can say, hey, that's the story. We can say the story is you can't ask your quarterback to do this much. At some point, it's going to bite in the ass. Okay, well, you're going to have to ask your quarterback to do that much next week mm-hmm. because you're not running the ball with your running backs. That's not clicking at any point. They're not. There's nothing there that's just being that, that that's just waiting to be uh, have a switch flipped. They can't run the ball with their running backs. They're going to have to continue to somehow get by despite not being able to run the ball with their running backs. They're going to need the defense to play as well as they played yesterday. Probably better. Good news is they should get Calais Campbell back. They got Brandon Williams back. That helped a lot. It's amazing how he continuously, there's this goofy bit in this town that I've talked about ad nauseum where despite the mountains of evidence we have about what this team is able to do when they have Brandon Williams and what they're not able to do when they don't, we still think that Brandon Williams isn't worth uh, getting paid because he's not Aaron Donald. There is no player that we have been further away from reality with than Brandon Williams over the years. We find one particular advanced statistic that backs up the way that we think we feel about Brandon Williams, and we say, ha, this is proof. And we ignore the six other advanced statistics that exist that say, no, dude, he's winning his matchups at a higher rate than just about anybody in the NFL. We can't stomach the idea that there is a position that can't always be defined by statistics because the job of that person is simply take on double teams and let the linebackers behind you have free lanes which which to come flying through and impact and be disruptive. And, boy, I don't know about you guys, but I watched the football game last night, and I saw a hell of a lot of that. Linebackers had a day or a night. Last Might night. help to have Brandon Williams in front of them, yeah. soaking up double teams. Maybe. Maybe the two things are correlated. Crazy idea, I'm just throwing it out there. Might be that Brandon Williams has always been that guy. But I get it. He's not Aaron Donald, so you guys don't like him. And you guys have wanted to run him out of town for years and have wanted to, to, to slash his salary because you don't think a defensive tackle should be worth that amount of money. Unless they're Aaron Donald, unless they get quarterbacks. And by the way, I'd love to have Aaron Donald if he's available. To make that very clear, if, if he, Aaron Donald's available, if the Ravens can switch out and send the Rams Brandon Williams and get Aaron Donald in return, I want you guys to, be, to know that I'll be the first to say yes. I'll sign up for that. You think that's that's going to happen? You think that's going to be? No, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> uh, think. Very, I don't very think doubtful. It's going to be the case. So in the meantime... I'll continue to be okay with Brandon Williams. And you guys can continue to flame and just say all the things that you want to say. The proof is in the pudding. When he plays, they can stop the run. When he doesn't play, they are significantly worse. Talked about this. It's in the pudding. The proof's there. I've I've lost my voice discussing this particular topic over the years. It is insanity. We did the same thing with um, Jimmy Smith once upon a time Mm -hmm. where everybody was mad about Jimmy Smith. and, And every time... 
that Jimmy Smith wasn't on the field. You watched and you saw how drastically different the Ravens' defense was. I'm like, look, bro, I'd love for him to be out there for every game. I'd love for Jimmy Smith to never get hurt. That'd be great. In the meantime, you ain't running him off because you're vastly better when he's on the field than when he's not. I would love it if Brandon Williams could be Aaron Donald. That would have been really neat if Brandon Williams could have been Aaron Donald. He's not. No one is. There were these goofs that kept trying to think that Justin Matabuike was going to become Aaron Donald. Peter King had him third on his list of defensive player of the year candidates in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. I hope Justin Matabuike continues to develop and becomes a better football player. But we just do some wacky bit where someone, Aaron Donald is one of one. Like Lamar Jackson is one of one as a runner. And despite that, we decide that they decide that they don't think that he should run the ball. It's a, it's a strange bit, but hey, man, it's what it is. Can't do anything about it. I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place this morning. It was you, you, you all watch the same football game. We're all, we're all reacting to the same thing. We'll get the pats on the ass a little bit later on. Dan Wilcox is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts about what he saw and specifically about Lamar. The, the real question for me related to Lamar is, is this the story of someone pressing too hard or are there more fundamental flaws that are problematic? There are those who think themselves knowledgeable about football that would point out that fundamentally Lamar did not look good throwing the football last night. He was making fundamental mistakes that you might have seen from him in his first season as an NFL quarterback. I don't think that it, it two games and that's what it's been, it's been two bad games, is not nearly enough to suggest that Lamar Jackson has regressed as a passer. It's not a big enough sample size. And we measure that against what it is that they're asking him to do. So how much of it is on Lamar? How much of it is on what the Ravens need from Lamar? And, of course, the truth is always somewhere in between, right? Like, that's the, whenever you ask that question, you get that answer. Well, it's between those two things. Well, where is it between those two things? What would other quarterbacks look like if they were being asked to do this? Would there be eight that would be more successful than Lamar has been over the last two weeks? Would there be none? Those are the types of questions, and I don't know the answer. I don't. It's impossible for me to know the answer. Anybody with a brain knows that ain't good enough. And even some of the throws that worked were not good throws or not good decisions or decisions that you can make, but you got to acknowledge you got pretty fortunate because there was a lot of bad that could have happened in those situations, particularly the touchdown to Mark Andrews. We're like, yeah, I... It's amazing he got it, was able to uh, escape for long enough to get that ball away. But my God, just throwing a ball up in the middle of the field when you're throwing from your back foot and you're being impacted as you're throwing it, you are asking for bad in that situation. And I know Patrick Mahomes does that too. And he got away with it for a long time. And Lamar got away with it yesterday. And it was the by far the best play that he made all night. But yet, even that was one that makes you cringe. One that you're just sort of tossing the ball up and hoping for the best. That's, that's, not, that's, that's no way for a team to be able to sustain the success through the air. That's not okay. 
And I get it. The offensive line is not playing well at all. And I'm trying to be kind when I say it that way. They've been awful. Banged up. You know, there are so many problems here that it is miraculous that the Ravens are somehow eight and through three through all of it. It's miraculous. Also speaks to the nature of the NFL, as we were talking about earlier. We'll talk about more about that with Dan Wilcox. Jeremy Kahn is going to join us a little bit later on as well. All of that coming up on today's program. I want to know who you think deserves praise from last night. I, I want to know how you're feeling through all of it. I, I, I am interested. If you're panicked, it's, I'm probably going to call you out for it. Got to a bunch of those comments last night. Like I, I don't get that at all. I don't understand it. I don't understand panic. I don't understand losing your mind. I don't understand flipping out. I don't understand any of that. If you think that this justifies the fact that you've never liked Lamar Jackson and you think he's garbage, then you're garbage. And there's, I can't I can't help you. He's played two bad games. And it's okay to say that. My friend, uh, NFL chick, the Sarita Hubbard, was talking about it. It's okay to say Lamar Jackson has stunk for the last two games that he's played. It's okay. It doesn't change the fact that, on the whole, Lamar Jackson's incredible. In the same way when Patrick Mahomes stunk for a couple of games this year, it was okay to say Patrick Mahomes stunk for those games and realize he's still Patrick Mahomes. And realize that this does not suddenly make it so that he's not good at all and won't be good again in the future and you were always right about him because you decided you didn't like the guy because of the color of his skin or whatever. You're still an idiot. Great quarterbacks have bad games. I've had them throughout the, the history of football. Great quarterbacks have bad games. Lamar Jackson's had two back-to-back bad games in circumstances where he has been asked to do an insane amount, an unprecedented amount, given their utter inability to run the football and a porous offensive line. Those aren't excuses because he's stunk. Nobody is pretending otherwise. No one is saying, and if you are, you're crazy. No one who tempt. In fact, in the past when Lamar would have kind of a so-so game that we end up saying at the end of it, yeah, but they don't win that game without Lamar Jackson. It ain't even that. I, Lamar Jackson had nothing to do with the Ravens winning last night. They won in spite of him. By, very much night. so. He had nothing to do with it. I, I don't know what would have happened if Tyler Huntley had played last night. I don't, I don't know what would have happened. If the defense plays that well, my guess is just about any quarterback that would have played for the Baltimore Ravens would have been able to win that football game. I don't think many of them would have thrown four, inter- four interceptions. The Ravens didn't win because of Lamar Jackson last night. And that's been I don't know how many times we've said that in his career as a quarterback in Baltimore. I don't this might be the first time that you would say they won in spite of him and not at all because of him. I have to think about that a little bit more. I mean, outside of that first season, maybe, when they weren't asking him to do a whole heck of a lot. But since 2019, I don't know that the Ravens have won a game in which he's played, separating last week. I don't know that they've won a game in which he's played that you would say they won in spite of him. But last night, definitely. He had nothing to do with them winning the football game last night. 
was kind of goofy that NBC had him do the, the interview afterwards. I'm like, did you guys, did you guys watch the game? <laughs> like, I we were doing our own show, so I don't know what they talked about. I can only imagine. How do you do that interview? All right, Lamar. Well, uh, you know, you got to watch the game too. What'd you think? How was your view? Like, what in the world would you be interviewing about after the game? And I get it. He's He's famous. He's the celebrity, so that's the reason why they want to interview him. But my God, he had nothing to do with it. It was a very strange bit. Like, there was nobody else available. Could you not find anybody else in order to do the interview? Was the only one willing to do it? Strange, strange scenario. All right. Um, we'll get to some of that when we come back, and we'll start getting the pats on the ass. Uh, Dan Wilcox is going to join us here in a bit as well. That's all on the way. Today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil. Helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Loop service center. Ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing, higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get a house of windows for only $99 a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window Nation today at 866-90NATION or go online at Window nation.com this incredible deal is only good through the end of december tell them glenn clark sent you Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com That first sip... That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. I love driving my tractor trailer, and just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you, and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you? Don't tailgate trucks. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure, I mean, we'll go with that. It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition after a Ravens victory. And, yes, John from Little Rock, that's all you need to say. The Ravens won the game, period. They won the game. You can add in. It was against the division opponent. 
That was why last night was so great. The Ravens won their game. That's all. Yeah, sure. 100%. End of story. I mean, I I still completely understand people not feeling overwhelming about it, but the win, that, that's that's the thing that matters. That's the part that's relevant. I, I, I can't get around that. I cannot in any way pretend as though that's not the part that matters most significantly. I'm, I hear you. Um, uh, Ken Zalas was a winner on underdog fantasy football last night, thanks to Lamar Jackson just sneaking over the 66-and-a-half-yard rushing mark. So he went four for four, betting all overs on player props, and turned $5 into $50. You can do the same thing tonight. Washington, Seattle. KZ found that the passing yard number for Russell Wilson was a particularly low number. It's something like only like 250. 40 or something like that it's not it's not a big number at all um against the washington defense that has not proven to be what they thought we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year there are a lot of props out there go right now to underdog fantasy football take a look play four of them five of them you could win 50 bucks 100 bucks all you got to do is have them all hit just pick out the right ones and put down a five dollar bet turn it into 100 bucks an underdog fantasy football you're not we we all wish that sports betting was fully in play right now in the state of Maryland. It's not. And even once it is, you're not going to be able to bet on your phone for a while, but you can do this right on your phone legally in the state of Maryland. And when you use the code PRESSBOX and make your first deposit, we're matching up to $100 with free money for you to play with at Underdog Fantasy Football. Again, underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app and get playing right now with underdog fantasy football. Let's go over the weekend that was in picks. Picks recap is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Here we go. Picks recap for the week. Reminder, there's five of us playing at the top of the table, playing for a little bit of cash at the bottom of the table. Plan to avoid being the one who's got to come in here, get their back waxed, eat a a tarantula, and sing Hero from the first Spider-Man movie. The nine games that we picked this week, three college games. Lone Wolves were, uh, were well-suited for the college games. As uh, Kyle Ottenheimer, big moment for him from the grave, it's a shame he couldn't leave, live to see this day. I can only imagine how much it would mean to him if he had been able to survive to see the day that Jim Harbaugh finally won a football game that mattered as a football coach. All you got to do is stick it out with him for a decade, and he'll get you one of them. I can also, by the way, I mean, like I know a lot of people brought it up. It would be so unbelievably Jim Harbaugh to then turn around and lose to Iowa next week. I mean, it would just be so Jim Harbaugh for that to happen. But uh, they were dominant, ran all over Ohio State. Uh, winning 42-27. They were dominant on the ground. This is what I'm trying to say. They were, they were, their run offense was in check. They dominated up front. That offensive line was was outstanding. Uh, do I think they have a chance in hell if they get into the college football playoff? No, not at all. Um, I just don't think you can translate that. Even even if you say, hey, Georgia's not a shootout type of team, I, I don't believe it for a second, but it doesn't matter, right? Like, the bar is low. All they needed to do was win a game against Ohio State, win a Big Ten title, you know, get, give themselves a chance to feel relevant again. He was able to do that, and so uh, Kyle Ottenheimer got that point. He was the only one. I got a freebie. I didn't feel great about it, but I said, hey, man, give me, give me Maryland, right? Let me enjoy myself on a Saturday afternoon. 
That's how you stay in first place. They rolled. They rolled. 40-16 to 16 over Rutgers. Maryland is bowl eligible. The, the thought seems to be they're either headed to the bowl game that they play in the baseball stadium out in Phoenix or they'll head to Yankee Stadium for their bowl game. That seems to be. It looks like they're going to be playing in a baseball stadium uh, for their bowl game. We'll find out more. I guess they're waiting to figure out what happens if if Michigan Michigan still got to win in order to get into the playoff because otherwise there won't be a Big Ten team in the playoff. Like Iowa's not getting to the playoff, Ohio State's not getting to the playoff, so that would bump everybody down a peg bowl wise if Michigan were to lose and then Iowa gets to go to the Rose Bowl and then Michigan and Ohio State are desirable options, so it bumps everyone down. A notch, so they have to wait to find out what happens with Michigan. So we probably won't get an answer on Maryland's bowl game until after the Big Ten championship game on Saturday. But Maryland will be playing in a bowl game. So congratulations to Mike Loxley and his team. Everybody was on Oklahoma State. Some uh, late drama, but they do indeed get the win, 37-33 over Oklahoma. And Lincoln Riley felt so ashamed that he ran off the USC afterwards, where he will be their next head coach. Everybody gets that point. The six NFL games that we picked, uh, the Bills were winners convincingly on the road on Thanksgiving, 31-6 over the Saints. John Proctor and Andrew Stecka, I don't know. I they might explain a thing or two. They were on the Saints, so uh, there's that. Everyone was on uh, Tampa Bay in what was a great game. I mean, a tremendous game. Indianapolis had a big lead in the second half. Tampa just kept giving the ball to Leonard Fournette, said, here, you go do your thing, and he had a monster game. And they win 38-31, so everybody gets that point as uh, Indy was only getting two and a half points. I have no idea why I picked Tennessee. I can't remember. It's been so long since we did picks, since we had to do them on Wednesday. I cannot remember what I said. I think I almost created like a reverse lock scenario in my <laughs> mind where I was like, really? Are we really making the, the, the Patriots six-point favorites? Are we that far? I have no idea why I did that. Would have been a brilliant week for me had I not made that faux pas where I picked I was the only one who picked Tennessee, which is quite silly of me. New England uh, dominates Tennessee 36-13, and I had to face their kicker. No, I had to face the Cowboys kicker, and that screwed me in one league because he got a billion points. That's <sighs> what it is. John Proctor steals a point. He was a lone wolf on Cincinnati who was dominant against Pittsburgh, was overwhelming in their win over the Steelers. I mean, it was an ass-kicking of the highest order. The Steelers looked terrible. Ben Roethlisberger Looked like the guy that we all thought he was the you know before the Chargers game. He just looked dreadful. Cincinnati wins, going away 41-10. to Game that probably wasn't even that close. I mean, it was just an ass-kicking from start to finish uh, all throughout that one. I know a lot of us were watching that in the 1 o'clock window yesterday. So Proctor steals that point with the Bengals. Um, you know, I... I I have no idea how to feel about either the Packers or the Rams. No clue. But the Packers won the game, and... So they've got that going for them. I mean, that's, I, I don't know what else there is to say about it. It was a weird game. Um, Packers certainly looked better, but Aaron Rodgers didn't fully look right. They get a bye, give him another week to try to get over the toe thing. I hope I never see another picture of Aaron Rodgers' foot in my life. Um, it's what it is. Both Proctor and I get that point. Is the Packers were only uh, one-point uh, favorites, and they win by eight, 36-28. It really blows my mind just how good Devontae Adams is. He has doubled and tripled the entire Yeah, he's really good. There's game. no question about that. Like, he beat Jalen Ramsey like he stole, stole he's, something he's all night. He's really, really good. 
And then uh, Proctor, unfortunately, was the only one that picked Cleveland last night. And I get it. it you know, certainly not a lot of reason to feel confidence in the Ravens, but the number ended up being 6, 16 to 10. Ravens win there. So that was a critical point for Andrew Stecka, who was in danger of falling three games behind at the bottom of the table. Instead, stays within one. Stecka's still in last place after a four and five week. He had the worst week of everybody. Both Proctor and KZ went five and four. Kyle and I both went six and three. So Stecka's a game behind Proctor at the bottom of the table. KZ's sitting right in the middle. He's eight games behind me at the top of the table. He's six games in front of Steck at the bottom of the table. He's in a fairly comfortable spot at the moment as long as disaster doesn't strike for him. Kyle is still five games back, still within shouting distance. It's not. I have not clinched anything. I need to continue to get some games right the rest of the way. I have clinched nothing at the top of the table. That's where we are as far as picks are concerned after week 12 of the NFL season. Now, on to Pats on the Ass. Pats are brought to you today by your Baltimore area Chick-fil-A restaurants. It's still that time of the year. Perhaps you're getting together, baking cookies with the family, decorating the tree, whatever it is that you're doing. If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, then try Chick-fil-A catering from Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese. Enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. So, yes, I know you guys are struggling with this. I understand. Although I actually don't think it's that hard. I think there was a pretty obvious second answer. I, I, I get it. All of you that are like, we have to put two offense players on the list. Yes, you do. And in the same way that there have been weeks where it's been difficult to put two defensive players on the list, sometimes it's difficult to put two offensive players on the list. I, didn't, I don't think it's as hard as you're making it out to be, and I think most of you figured that out. Five Ravens, two must-be offensive players, two must-be defensive players. The other one can be whatever you'd like it to be, another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. I had someone who pushed that a little bit. I've always said it's got to fall in one of those categories. Another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. Plain and simple, those are the categories for your fifth. Rank them five to one. And make number one your player of the game. Give them uh, two pats on the ass. A pat on both cheeks, if you will. Get them to me at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Our pats on the ass for today. I'll begin. My number five, as far as pats on the ass are concerned, was what... I don't know how you could have another answer for your second offensive player. It's Hollywood Brown. Mm. He was reliable. He wasn't explosive, but he was reliable. When the ball was thrown his way, he caught it. Uh, finished day with eight catches. No, it wasn't. Again, it wasn't an overwhelming average. It wasn't a brilliant performance by any stretch of the imagination. But if the ball was thrown Hollywood Brown's way, he caught it last night. He's number five on my list. Same. That's all I can say. Same. He had eight catches. Um, I, I, I lament the fact that by only having three defensive players on the list, you have to leave a few off, right? Like, Or for those of you that included Justin Tucker, you had to leave a bunch off because you needed to put a third defensive player. I left Justin Tucker off. I get it. He's brilliant. I don't know. This is We've talked about this before. When you're Justin Tucker, the standard is so absurdly high, you got to really do something in order to catch the attention. Um, Brandon Williams gets my fourth spot. And he gets it over a few people because this it's the thing that I was just raving about and ranting about. This thing we do where we trash Brandon Williams for whatever reason, 
because we just want to keep pretending like this hasn't always been the story here, that they are drastically better against the run when Brandon Williams is on the field than when they're not, and he doesn't make a drastic difference in what guys are able to do behind him by taking on double teams is nuts. It's bonkers. It's it's truly insane. There are some weird bits that we do. Like the bit that we do where everything is always the fault of the offensive coordinator because we don't own the offensive coordinator's jersey and we own all the other players' jerseys, so we want to like them and not like the coordinator and we want to have somebody to blame. That's a weird bit, but I understand that one. I'll never understand how uh, how we've treated Brandon Williams in this town. In my life, I'll never understand it. This used to be a town that loved defensive tackles. I Kelly, there were Brandon Williams. No offense to Kelly Gregg, who was a hell of a player. Kelly Gregg's never is not as good as Brandon Williams. And Kelly Gregg was beloved in this city. Beloved. And I'm not trying to say that Brandon Williams is Helodinata either. I get it. Helodinata will always be the, the best defensive tackle that will have ever existed in Baltimore. But I I think at this point Brandon Williams is number two. Tony Saragusa was popular because he had a personality. I get it. Like, I understand that. We used to be a town that loved defensive tackles. I don't know what happened. I, I, I guess we loved them as long as they weren't getting paid. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened that changed. We are, we, are, we are lost when we have the conversation about Brandon Williams because we've got the evidence We know how much better they are when Brandon Williams is on the field against the run. The one way the Browns had a chance to beat the Ravens last night was to come out and dominate on the ground, was to give the ball to Nick Chubb, to give the ball to Kareem Hunt and say, run, 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 run. Go do to the Ravens what the Ravens used to do to everybody else. That was their chance for winning the football game last night. And it was made clear quite early that wasn't going to happen. Now, the Ravens obviously still did a lot of things to keep them in the game and feel like they had a chance to win it, but they were never winning that game last night unless they were able to be dominant on the ground, and they were anything but dominant on the ground. And we're about to name some other guys on this list, and the truth is they had massive games because they were not a, or the Browns were unable to get to them because Brandon Williams was taking on so much. Brandon Williams is number four. Brandon Williams and Adafi Owe are two of those guys that I left off, but they're honorable mentions because they they had great games last night. But for me, number four, maybe he should be higher, but I have him four, is Patrick Queen. He was really good last Definitely night. Definitely higher on my one, list. One of the best games I've ever seen him play. It, there were a couple of missed tackles, one of them that led to an, his own injury. Um, but that, that second play of the game where he burst into the backfield and took down Chubb for a three-yard loss, that was Ray Lewis-esque you know, on that play last yes. night. Yes. He was he was absolutely fantastic. He's number four on my list. Uh, he's much higher on my list. We'll get to that. My number three is Mark Andrews, um, who's the obvious. He was clearly the best offensive player on the field last night, and and not particularly close. And a couple of things he did were were purely absurd. The 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 one catch that was initially ruled uh, not a catch and then overturned to be a catch that that was insane. Of course, the touchdown was massive. Mark Andrews was by far. The best offensive player on the field last night. He's my number three. My number three is Justin Tucker. And it's, again, I've left him off my list a number of times. It's because we take him for granted. We saw again last night 
uh, kicker on an opposing team miss a relative. I mean, 46 yards to me is relatively short. You should make those kicks, yeah. especially in the middle of the field, and he missed them. Justin Tucker's just drilling 50-plus yarders right down the middle like they're chip shots. Justin Tucker's my number three. Uh, my number two is Tyus Bowser, who was, you know, brilliant. And a uh, reminder, we'll be at the Bowman next Tuesday night on Hartford Road in Parkville with Tyus Bowser and a special guest for the next Tyus Bowser show. It's Brought to you by Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Duffy'sGarageMD.com, Window Depot Baltimore, WindowDepotBaltimore.com, and the NFL Chicks Rita Hubbard's there, courtesy of my bookie. These shows are always brought to you by Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia. Would like you to come join us, and you can hang out with someone who's just been absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I don't think people were getting it in the first couple weeks of the year. I think they were confused about his usage. Tyus Bowser is a wrecker, man. He is absolutely incredible all over the place. You know, did get the uh, the roughing the passer penalty, and I, I know that all of you guys are bellyaching about everything last night. That one, to me, was an obvious one. I don't know why they didn't talk about it on NBC. That's the, the body weight thing. That's the you're not supposed to bring your entire body weight down on the quarterback. Um, I know they were talking about the helmet thing on the broadcast. I thought that if that was the reason it was soft, but the body weight thing was obvious that he didn't roll off of you're supposed to roll off in that situation mm. so you don't bring your body weight down. You can be mad about the rule. I get it. We're mad about a lot of rules, but that is what you're supposed to do in that spot. Outside of that, um, it was a genius night. It was a, a brilliant night for Tyus Bowser. He's my number two. He is also my number two. He was great in coverage. He was great in the pass rush. He's becoming arguably their best all-around defensive player. He was fantastic again last night. Phenomenal. Um, and Patrick Queen's my number one. He was the best player on the field. Um, he was all over the place. He did everything. He was I, I, he, he was an absolute wrecker. I mean, he was just a wrecker last night. And this story of what's gone on with him, in it, what's transpired in the course of a season, mm-hmm. is one of the better stories in recent Ravens memory. And it's pretty incredible to see the results of this. We're, we, we're only a few week, months removed from being extraordinarily worried about Patrick Queen, from him being a guy that couldn't be on the field for even half of the defensive snaps for a team. It's, it's unreal how this has turned over the last few weeks. Like you saw a month ago, you would say, like, hey, in limited snaps, you know, Patrick Queen kind of played kind of well. It ain't limited snaps anymore. He's just dominant. He's just dominant. Patrick Queen was my number one. For me, it was Mark Andrews. Uh, it, that that touchdown drive, he took the game over. That 39-yard catch, the touchdown reception. He was the best offensive player on the field last night. Without him, the Ravens don't win that game. He was open all night, even when Lamar didn't see him. Without him, they don't win the football game. Mark Andrews is my number one. Eh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that only because the defense was the, the defense was the story last night. Oh yeah, I, the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that sentiment. Mark Andrews is great, so I'm not mm. really going to – it's nitpicking, right? But I'm going to disagree with that they don't win the game without Mark Andrews. The story last night was the defense. Oh, yeah. The story uh, – they, they were dominant defensively, yeah. right? Um, you know, they gave up one disputed touchdown. That's that, – that, that was brilliant what they did. So I don't know if that's true. I, I just don't – I don't know that that's true, but certainly not going to knock Mark Andrews. He was He was excellent last night. There's no doubt about it. All right, let me get to yours. Uh, from Jason Calvert. Number five, Hollywood. Number four, Justin Tucker. Three, Adafi Owe. Certainly, again, a guy very much considered for my list, but just missed. But I get it. He was disruptive. He was making plays. He was fast. He was great. There's no doubt whatsoever. Adafi Owe was tremendous last night. Two, Mark Andrews, and one, Tyus Bowser. 
from uh, Lil Jordan, Jordan Schwartzberg checking in. Five, uh, Hollywood, I guess. Four, Mark Andrews. Three, Adafi Owe. Two, Patrick Queen. One, Tyus Bowser. From Mark, Mark, you're cheating. You can't do this. Mark tried to make Justin Tucker an offensive player. Just You can't do that. I get it. I understand, but you can't make Justin Tucker an offensive player. That's cheating. He is not. Uh, sorry, so your list gets thrown out. Uh, Nick Kelly, five. I don't know. Pat Ricard. I don't know why it's that hard. I mean, I, I, I get it. Hollywood Brown's the answer. It's it's not hard. We all watch the same game. You got to put two offensive players on the list. You can you can bellyache about the rules and say, I don't like the fact that I have to do this, but I'll do it. You just don't have to try that hard to come up with a second guy. There's one other option. Uh, four, Andrews. Three, Patrick Queen. Two, Adafi Owe. One, Tyus Bowser. Uh, Nick, Nick, who was on this last night, like I, the first thing, the first tweet I got from Nick last night is, do we really have to put two offensive players on Pats in the ass tomorrow? I hear you, bro. Trust me, I hear you. Five, uh, I don't know, Freeman, whatever. Come on, it's not hard. You don't have to just throw out a name for the sake of throwing out a name. Although it, it was nice that at the end of the game, when they needed to, to take some time off the clock, they were able to run the ball a little bit in context, considering the fact they weren't able to run the ball at all, that was a uh, a whale of a drive in order to run the ball. I have no idea what they were doing on third and 11, though. I, I don't know what the hell that was. I assume that that was Lamar just sort of panicking and throwing it underneath. I, it was if, – if your thought process was design a play to throw it underneath, throw the ball, and yet keep the clock running, what? <laughs> Just run the ball. If you're purposely not trying to pick up the first down, just run the ball. You, you ran the risk of the ball being dropped and the clock stopping and not getting a first down. Like, that that was nuts. I have to assume that was just a mistake that Lamar made in that situation to to throw the ball underneath, or he was just so convinced he had no chance of hitting on any of the other routes that was the only – I don't know, man. That was That was weird. KZ and I were having a conversation as we were walking into the game. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I. the difference between 115 and two minutes is not so significant to me that I'm not going for the first down here. I'm throwing the ball to the sticks. I'm trying to pick up a first down in this situation, plain and simple. And when they lined up empty backfield, I assume that's exactly what they were doing until they threw the ball three yards in front of him. Yeah. Like, I don't it was a bizarre scenario on a third and eleven. That was nuts. Boobirds were out at the stadium. I don't know what that. that. I don't know what the thought process was there, and I don't know if that's just Lamar was so rattled because he had such an awful night that he didn't want to throw the ball downfield, like he didn't want to get behind to throw, or he was skittish because the offensive line had been so bad. I I don't know exactly what happened there, but that was that was nuts. That would honestly be a pretty fair assessment if he's thinking I cannot turn this ball over again and give them the opportunity to win this I, game. I get, and I haven't seen the whole, you know, I haven't seen the all twenty-two in order to be able to see what yeah. where everybody was on that play. I I everything about that was just really weird, man. That's just really weird. But if that's the situation that you're in, if if your quarterback says I'm not comfortable throwing the ball down, just run the ball. Yeah, there's nothing. You're gaining nothing throwing the ball three yards in front of you. You're gaining nothing. The difference between a 49-yard kick and a 52-yard kick for Justin Tucker is is nothing. Um, and on top of that, you run the risk of him dropping the ball in the process, and then you stop the clock without it helping you. Just right. turn around, run the ball, take your yards, kick your field goal. If if you're not if your quarterback's not confident about throwing the ball downfield, everybody's got to work together in here and say, Nah, we're not doing that. We're Let's just run the clock. Let's keep the clock moving. Let's get down to a minute 15. 
and let's run the ball here, get whatever we get, and that'll be that. Like that was that was insane. Uh, Brian also attempting to cheat, and in a weird way. I, Brian, I don't know what this is. Five Hollywood, four Andrews, three Adafi Owe, two Tyus Bowser, and one Ray Lewis for getting the stadium pumped up for the last two drives. Uh, okay. He admits later he should have put Justin Tucker on the list instead. Okay. I mean, that's that's a better answer. It's a, We're trying so hard. We're trying too hard with some of these things. From Ben, five Hollywood, four Andrews, three Owe, two Justin Tucker, one Tyus Bowser. And from Chris, uh, Chris, the only person, this one's a surprising thing. I thought Marlon Humphrey would pop up on a few more lists. Chris has five Hollywood, four Humphrey, three Tucker. Wow, he really he left off. Okay, three Tucker, two Queen, and one Andrew. So he does agree with you. Um, yeah, I thought Marlon Humphrey would pop up on a few more lists. I thought Marlon Humphrey was great outside of the pass interference last night. And there was the one that he got beat deep. But if you watch the replay, his knee just buckled for a split second. Like what can like your yeah, body I just mean, does that to you? You can't. You I, know what I mean? I thought overwhelmingly he played really. He, well. I thought he played really well too. Thought he played really well last night. Continue to get me your pats on the ass at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We will share them throughout the course of the day. I need a minute here to do two things. The first is to thank you all for the fact that uh, it only took us three days and we filled the entire raffle and every spot, $2,000 you all donated um, to help us help the Helping Up mission. And I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. The fact that we were able to knock all that out in three days is overwhelming to me. Thank you. And a few of you reached out afterwards and you were like, hey, do you still have raffle spots available? No, we've already pulled the winners. They've already been notified. Um, so if you weren't notified and you missed the posts on uh, social media, I'm so sorry. Paul, I'm very sorry. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember Tony Young, Jesse Carr, and uh, Sandy from uh, Show Your Soft Side were the winners of the autograph stuff. And then, irony of ironies, the fourth number that I pulled was A.J. Francis's number. Um, and he wins the... The the pro it's so ironic <laughs> because he was the fourth winner. By the way, the number was sixty nine. It's <laughs> hilarious. Nice. A- AJ didn't pick numbers. He just sent fifty bucks. Did not care about the rap. But the way that this works, just so you guys know, a lot of you said, "Hey, I don't care about the raffle." I understand that, but there are reasons when you do these types of things. You have to give everybody a corresponding spot when you when you're selling a raffle spot. You have to do it that way. So everybody who sent money in, even if you said, hey, I don't care about the raffle, you got raffle spots. That's just the way it goes. With the idea being, hey, if you don't want the prize, we'll just pull another number. Um, that's that, that I gave that option, but I have to give you a spot. There are legal reasons why I have to do that, because then you could turn around afterwards and you could say, Blah. it's just a whole thing. So AJ didn't care about it, but AJ, of course, has worn both the number 96 and the number 69 in his life. And so I said, all right, dude, I'm giving you 96 and 69. So that's the fourth number that's picked. Now, he clearly does not want to go to the, the, the events. Um, he is a professional wrestler. Meeting professional wrestlers not something that is a big deal to him. But uh, he's giving them to someone. Uh, he knows someone who wants it. So the prize will be used anyway. So uh, congratulations to all of them. And seriously, thank all of you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for getting that knocked out. That's $2,000 we're going to be able to spend on shirts and socks and underwear and things that are needed. And probably some of that will end up going to coats as well. And for those of you that have asked and said, okay, I didn't get in for the raffle, but I do still want to make a donation, hey, we'd really appreciate that. It just means it's more that we can spend when uh, Drew and I go out shopping to take care of all that. So 
if you didn't get in and and you forgot or and I didn't have to call anybody out by name, thankfully, but you know, you know who you are. I would ask that you still make a donation. It would mean the world to us if you would do that. And you can still send it to all the same locations. Venmo, Venmo, PayPal, Venmo, Venmo, Venmo. is a new thing. Venmo, PayPal, Cash App. Um, if, if you don't know, ask me. I'll let you know. Happy to do that. And it'll go to what we spend for the folks at Helping Up Mission. Now we move into the more difficult phase. And I'm sorry. I, I have to apologize profusely for the fact that we are running behind on this. Uh, we're working hard. And there's going to be about a two-week push for you guys to get us coats and clothes and all of those things. And some of you already have, and I thank you a great deal for that. And I am willing to come get them from you if that's what it takes. I will find time, and I will drive to you to come pick them up. But I need you to go to your closet. I need you to find the stuff that can be donated. You know if something is in a place where it shouldn't be donated anymore. If it's got rips and tears, and stop. That's not a donation. That's trash. Throw it away. Just throw it away. The stuff that you don't wear anymore, for whatever reason, you grew out of it. My buddy, uh, my buddy Ben from Window Depot Baltimore and Duffy's Garage, Ben Lamoon, he lost some weight. He doesn't need any of his 4X gear any longer. I love that. There are people at the Helping Up Mission that wear a size 4X. And it's difficult. There's not a lot of donations of stuff that's size 4X. So that's huge. That's massive for those people. You lost some weight this year. You gained some weight this year. You're just wearing a different size. You're wearing different styles. Whatever it is. You got new stuff at the holidays last year. Never got rid of the other. Go to your closet, please. Pull out everything that you can find that you don't need anymore. And don't ask... I appreciate all of you who ask questions, but the answer to the question is yes. Hey, do you need women's stuff? Yes. Do you need kids' stuff? Yes. Do you need stuff that isn't necessarily for the winter? Yes. We call it a coat drive. It's really a clothes drive. We need everything. Please. Nice stuff. I say this all the time. A lot of folks at the Helping Up Mission are trying to get back into the workforce and don't have clothes to wear for an interview or clothes to wear to work need all of it please go to your closets gather all of it up in the next 48 hours by december 1st i will have boxes at various locations around town i i'm certain that jerry's chevrolet and jerry's toyota will be two of them i'm certain the glory days grill will be one of them um in uh, towson i i i I think i know about a couple of the others but i'm not ready to announce them just yet but we will have boxes in various locations. I know all three of the ones that I just said were in Baltimore County. I'm looking to get them in a couple other spots. So I'm working on that, and they'll be there by Wednesday. On top of that, we're trying to nail down an event, a specific coat drive event. In the meantime, you can absolutely bring your coats next Tuesday night to the Bowman on Harford Road. I ask that you do bring them to the Bowman for our show with Tyus Bowser. Please bring them to us there. If you have the ability to come by Hamden, one day with your coats and your clothes stop by meadow mill where we are in this studio bring them directly to us i'll hook you up with something i got some books lying around i got some glory days gift cards if you come by the studio with your donations i'll hook you up with a glory days grill gift card please and i'm also working with great eights memorabilia on maybe one more big prize for anybody who donates that you just take a picture, say that you donated, and you'll get thrown in 
And for those of you that missed out on the raffle prizes, we're working on one more like autographed item that we can give away at random to somebody uh, who didn't win there. All right? So plenty of ways, and I will have more defined details coming. That's a promise for our coat drive. But we need a big two-week push. We're asking you to get behind it and just stay tuned. That's all I can say at the moment. And thank you. Again, seriously, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for selling out that raffle and donating $2,000. That is... I, I don't have the words. It means a lot. It means a lot. Fun fact, one of the raffle winners, Jesse Carr, I yes. used to play baseball with him in the Susquehanna ah, Semi-Pro League about 10, love, 15 years love ago. Love Jesse, one of my favorite people on the face of the planet. Good friend of mine, someone who's always been supportive of us. And uh, uh, we shared, he, uh, he, once, he once bathed me. This is a true story. <laughs> the day of my bachelor party, Jesse bathed me, and I wore his underpants. This is a fact. This is a, a one, I swear to hand to God, I, the next day, I ended up in urgent care. It's a long story. Had a hell of a bachelor party. And I looked down and said, these are not my underpants. And I sent a text to uh, everybody who was out. Uh, and I said, hey, guys, weird question. Why am I not wearing my own underpants? And I found out that uh, Jesse didn't know where he had to bathe me. And didn't know. I had a concussion. He did not know where my underpants were, so he gave me his. It's very kind of his. And and all, look at how that alternate comes around. I did not. I assure you, I did not rig. I've got the video of the numbers being pulled. So if anybody has any questions, I literally I recorded the video of the numbers being pulled, so I can send that to you. Hey, cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing: higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For December only, get a house of windows for only ninety nine dollars a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window Nation today, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. Dan Wilcox joins us next. We'll get his thoughts on what he saw from Lamar, from the Ravens last night. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. The next Taz Bowser Show is Tuesday, December 7th at the Bowman on Hartford Road in Parkville. It's brought to you by PressBox, Great Eight memorabilia as well as window depot baltimore window depot baltimore.com duffy's garage in baldwin duffy's garage md.com and the nfl chick sarita hubbard joins us courtesy of my bookie Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash Sports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Into hour number two of the program, it is Glenn Clark Radio. If you haven't picked up this print issue of Pressbox, make sure you go do it. You're running out of time. This was a special one celebrating uh, 20 seasons for Brenda Fries as the head coach down at the University of Maryland. It is still available at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. But again, you are running low on time uh, before our annual best of issue will hit newsstands. All right, Ravens win last night. It wasn't pretty, but they are victorious, 16-10 over the Cleveland Browns. Our next guest, one of our favorite people. You know the stories over the years of how much we love Dan Wilcox, and uh, we're jealous that uh, now our buddy Bo Smolka gets to host a podcast with him on the Believe Podcast Network. You can listen to his musings about the Ravens each and every week. He is former Ravens tight end and our friend Mr. Dan Wilcox, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Dan, what's going on, brother? How was your Thanksgiving? Man, Thanksgiving was awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys as well. Well, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. I hope you and the family uh, had a wonderful few days. I this is a weird thing, right, Dan? Where you know how this is like, as you were in Baltimore during a lot of years, where um, there there were some days where the offense wasn't great and the the defense was, and <laughs> you know this is a familiar feeling for a lot of people in Baltimore what they saw last night. I, you don't apologize for it. It the, the, it's a team sport. That's the way that it works. It was nice to see that when the Ravens needed it, their defense was able to deliver that type of performance to win a football game. Absolutely. I mean, the Ravens have, have been notoriously known since the beginning of the franchise to be a defensive organization. So, I mean, to see the defense step up right now, because I, I kind of feel like there's been a, a change in tides, you know, where the offense is, is leading the weight most of the time. So this, to have your defense still be great and step up when, they, when you need them most, it's super, super important, man. But there's no greater feeling than having a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. You know he's going to have some bad games, but he's going to make some mistakes. And, you know, all the mistakes he made wasn't his fault either. You know, it went through receivers' hands and tip passes at the line of scrimmage and, and stuff like that, man. So those things will happen. And, and when they happen, you know, adversity comes around all year round. You have to be able to handle adversity and be able to push through that and still come up with a victory, and they did just that. 
All right, so let's talk about that, Dan. Let's okay. let's talk about what we saw from Lamar Jackson because it's. I think the con- concerning part for a lot of people is back to the last two games he played. Probably I, the worst two games he's played in the NFL. Right? Like it. It. And I. I. I somebody might point something out to me and say, "Hey, you're forgetting about this," but. And admittedly, the bar is really high, right? He's been really, really good. So there haven't been many bad games for Lamar Jackson in his career. Right. But the Miami game was bad, and last night was was dreadful um, for the most part. Are you seeing anything related to Lamar fundamentally that concerns you? And how much of it do you think is, at, at some point, their complete inability to run the ball with their running backs – was going to catch up with them because defenses were going to be better suited to take away other things because they have no fear of what the Ravens might do running the ball with their running backs. Well, I, I think what you're seeing right now with Lamar is just coaching, man. I, I don't think it's, I think you account you talk it all up to coaching. Um, and when I say that, I'm not saying that the Ravens is doing a bad job of coaching, but I just think it's the NFL. I mean, every single team in the league has phenomenal coaches just like every team in the league has phenomenal players you know they coaching have to be better when you play against Lamar you have to know better you you know you got to do better when you're coaching against him you got to take away Mark Andrews which is his number one target everybody knows that once you eliminate Mark Andrews now you got to figure out a way to eliminate Lamar you know without having all your starters and all your players I mean you got like 18 players down on IR that were starters for the Ravens man just to have those many players down and to still be sitting at the top of the AFC says something, you know. But I think what you're seeing, like, the last couple of weeks is people know they got to have fast guys on the field, you know. So they're changing their defenses in order to suit Lamar. And that's what you're supposed to do. You, you're supposed to be able to evolve on this level to have enough creativeness in your mind to say, all right, this is how we're going to have to stop this guy, you know. And that's, what, that's all you're seeing. You know, would they be able to stop him forever? No, you can only hope to contain him. You can't, you can't stop him. You just hope to contain him. He's that type of guy where he's that electric. Eventually, you know, it's going to unravel for whoever. No matter what you throw at him, the Ravens are going to come back to the drawing board. They're going to figure out what you're doing on on defense against Lamar, and then they're going to they're going to come up with the perfect scheme. You know, I don't know. It may be a three tight end scheme that may be the thing that busted wide open for him. I don't know. You know, it may be uh, they may need to spread the field out. You know, put four or five wides on the field. And then just spread everybody out and just let Lamar pick you apart. And then when those teams open up, let him take off, you know, because he's he's that he's that electric to do it. You know, I, I don't know. Sometimes you you switch your whole offense to like a two minute offense, and then you're able to attack, 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 attack. Right. And what you find with the Ravens is, I think that a lot of times they try to be a little bit conservative because they don't want to go up tempo, up tempo, up tempo because then the defense never gets a break. And that's what happens when you have games like last night. The defense never gets a break. You know, you get four or five turnovers, and all of a sudden you're looking at the defense is like, hey, bro, I just came off the field. Right. I'm tired. You right. Know? So they're saying that in the second quarter versus the fourth quarter. You, you know, you, you bring up – Dan Wilcox is with us here on GCR. You bring up the tempo thing, and it's been a complaint that we've heard from a lot of, of Ravens fans. Like, hey, it seems like they have their best rhythm offensively when they're going up tempo. Why aren't you going back to it? And, and I think what you just pointed out is that – like, yes, you're probably right they have that, but, you know, you're asking an awful lot of your defense now if that's the case, right? Like, there, there is a give and take there. It, it, if this it just if, if it was just this easy, everybody would just go up tempo all the time, right? And, like, you just do that constantly. But you are putting your defense in a tough spot if you're constantly doing that. I, I think, I guess, the question becomes, 
if you're struggling, if you come out and the, de- the offense isn't clicking, shouldn't you be trying to go up-tempo at that point? Well, it, it's that the thing. I think that's what it is, right? It's like if you're usually struggling, that means you're getting three and outs a lot. You know, that's, that's how this league works. When you're struggling on offense, you don't get first downs. So when you don't get first downs, that means your defense only gets a minute, two minutes to sit down on a bench before they have to come right back on the field. And a lot of those same guys that are on defense are also playing special teams. You know, so they need that break as well. So when you go up-tempo, your three and outs now become a lot faster if you don't get that first down. You know, so instead of it being a three-minute break for the defense, now it's a one-minute break for the defense. You know, and, I mean, we used to do things periodically. You know, you, you could call timeouts throughout the games, but I can remember a couple games that, I, you know, I would, we would, our, our defense was so electric. You know, they would get a pick six. It would be on the field right, for right. 10 minutes. They would get a pick six and return it for a touchdown, and then we'll have to go to special teams, and then they'll be right back on right, the field. Right, right. You know? So I remember plays where I would go down, and I was like, hey, man, I'm going to fake an injury right here on this one. I would run down on I was 16, <laughs> I would run down on 16. <laughs> just to slow it down. down like I'm hurt. Right, right. It would be nothing wrong with me, but that was just to be able to give the defense more time to rest. You know, like this is such a fast-paced league. That if you go up tempo and you're not and you don't win at up tempo right now, then you putting your defense right back on the field and you're risking injury for those guys and you're risking you know higher scoring games against those guys. You're putting those guys at risk where they won't be successful when they go back on the field because they're going to be drained, they're going to be fatigued, they're going to be tired. And in this league, when you're fatigued, tired, and drained, you know mentally it separates the men from the boys. But at the same time, you put yourself at harm of getting hurt. Dan, you brought up something else that, look, at the end of the night, Lamar Jackson finished with 17 carries last night. So when I say it didn't seem like there was a concerted effort to take advantage of Lamar Jackson, the runner, someone's going to say, well, yeah, okay, they ran the ball with him 17 times. We also know that a lot of that came on that final drive when they were trying to milk some clock. And, and, and there was just no rhythm to using Lamar Jackson as a runner from the start of the game. It appeared to not be something the Ravens wanted to do, and that's been something we've seen a lot of this year. And I don't know how much of that is coming from Lamar's camp, where they're like, look, let's, we want to be this other guy because those are the guys that get paid all the money, and so we don't want to be the, the running quarterback. I, I've never understood it, right? I, I've never understood having any adversity – to Lamar Jackson, the runner, we've got all the data. Running quarterbacks don't get hurt more than passing quarterbacks do. That's just a myth. It's just something that we've thrown around. All of the data says that that's not true. And Lamar Jackson is one of one as a runner of the football. There is no quarterback in football history that has ever been able to do what he's capable of doing running the ball. I, I, am, I am constantly confused, particularly knowing you can't run the ball otherwise as to why the Ravens don't seem predetermined that they can dominate with Lamar Jackson running the football? Well, I, I think, I, I, honestly, I, this is just me just being a player. You know, every time you got the ball in your hand, you got, you're got at risk of getting hurt. Lamar, Lamar handles the ball every single snap. You know, so if you turn him into your running back, every time he runs the ball, he's predominantly, he's a right-handed thrower, so he's going to lead with his right shoulder. So if you have to ever lower his shoulder, he's going to lead with his throwing shoulder. If he hurts his throwing shoulder, then he's no longer a quarterback. He is only a running back for you. He can't throw the ball. You know, so you have to be able to protect his throwing arm as much as possible. And he made a, a throw last night. I can't remember if it was Clowney or if it was Garrett that was in his face. And he it was the throw. It was the deep ball to Mark Andrews that Mark Andrews caught with one hand. And um, when he made that throw, 
I was so afraid he was going to break his hand on the helmet. You know, he threw the ball, and Garrett was right in yeah. his face, and yeah. he pushed him out. It was either Clowney or Garrett. He pushed him out of bounds right when he threw it. And when he threw that ball, I was like, thank God he didn't, like, break a thumb, break a hand or whatever, you know, hit it on top of the guy's helmet. He threw it. He got just enough on the ball to get it to Mark. And um, and, and those moments are the ones that kind of make you cringe a little bit, right? Um, You see, you watch the Dallas Cowboys game last week, and you see CeeDee Lamb go up for a catch, and he fall backwards and hit his head on the turf. That's a 99% concussion ratio when that, when that stuff happens. You know, so you know these things are possible when your quarterback is running the ball as much as, as Lamar can because he is a phenomenal athlete, and he does a great job of not allowing you to get direct contact on him. I, you know, that's what he's, he's – he's like an escape artist, right? You know, but at some point, the other guys on the other side of the ball, they get paid too. At some point, somebody's going to catch them, and they're going to catch them in full stride and it's going to be – they're going to stroke him up pretty good. I, you know, I, I know that's – Dan, I know that's true, but isn't the same thing true about when he's running for his life in the backfield because the offensive line is playing terrible? I mean, like, I, I, I just yeah. – it's the same – it's the same thing to me when wherever the hit comes, whether it's downfield as a runner or in the backfield because he's he's running around trying to do his Patrick Mahomes act last night, right? And, like, trying he to – He was, the, running the, for his life. Correct. I, like, yeah. that hit's coming one way or the other. I. It seems like Lamar has been better – and avoiding that when he's been downfield, when he's been able to have more vision and say, I can just get out of bounds at this point, it seems like he has been better downfield and avoiding those hits than he has been in the pocket where he's skittish, he's frantic, right? Like it's yeah. And it's not his fault that they are where they are with the offensive line. Alejandro Villanueva, that's, that, that experiment is not working. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, it's, I, I just don't. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't see there being a significant difference between him running downfield and running around for scared of his life in the backfield because the offensive line can't hold up. Well, I, th- I think there's one thing between organized runs for him, like designed runs for him, and there's another thing for him with him running for his life. You know, you when every time you drop back for a pass, you're not wishing he's running for his life. You're, you're running a designed pass so he can throw a ball to somebody and get the ball out of his hands quick. You know, um, what ends up happening is that person isn't as, as open as quick as you want him to be, and he's not throwing them open right away, and then he has to, you know, buy extra time, and then through that extra time is where you see him scrambling and running for his life and then making these dynamic throws, these Lamar Jackson-only type throws that he's making down the field, you know, to get his guys open and buying his guys extra time to get loose and get free and get separation from the DBs. Um, So there's a difference from designing him to get killed and then, you know, and freaking, you know, allowing it to just happen naturally throughout the game, right? So there's a big difference, you know. Plus, nobody wants to be the guy to say, hey, I ran Lamar Jackson 30 times and he got hurt. <laughs> nobody wants to be that guy. I hear I, – I get it. I get it. Trust me, yeah. I get it. I understand that. But, boy, I – I don't. I don't know. It just feels like you're almost neutering yourself, Dan. Like it feels like you're telling a home run hitter that they can't swing for the fences any longer. You know, like it feels like you're purposely. It's like saying to Steph Curry, "Hey, man, I know you're the greatest three point shooter of all time, but like, why don't we work on that mid range jumper a little bit? <laughs> like, he's got a hell of a mid range jumper. Nobody's arguing with that. But ah, I you are you're you're taking away what is an overwhelming weapon that you have, and I'll I'll never understand that in my life. Um, yeah, I think I, I think until they get some of their star running backs back, and I think Devontae Freeman is doing a phenomenal job. You know, him coming in midseason, learning a new offense, and having to having to learn these plays on the go every week, week in and week out. There's a new offense installed per game. I think he's done a phenomenal job at trying to pick up the offense and 
and adapting to being a Baltimore Raven, you know. So I think the the longer, you know, these other backs and stuff are out, you know, the harder it is going to – the harder it's going to be on Lamar. And you got offensive linemen out. You know, it's, it's going to be hard, man. And, and I don't I, care who the I think ultimately that's what I'm most worried about, Dan, right? I'm most worried about – this team is 8-3. and three. It is miraculous what they have done. Given everything, that you can't say enough – about how absurd it is that this team is somehow 8-3. and three. And when you look around the NFL, there's every reason to think that they are a Super Bowl contender because you are not overwhelmed by any team that you see anywhere in this league. There is no game that you look at and say, no, the Ravens couldn't beat that team. That, that doesn't exist. But ultimately, their complete inability to, to, to string things together on the ground with the running backs and get any amount of production, this is unheard of. There's been no Super Bowl champion that has ever gotten the, the the Chiefs two years ago got more out of Damian Williams than the Ravens have gotten out of their running backs this season. The the Patriots right. the year that Jonas Gray was their top running back got more production out of Jonas Gray than the Ravens are getting right now. I I just I keep struggling with can you win a Super Bowl getting this little production out of your running backs? And my gut continues to be as exciting as it is, as remarkable as they're doing. My gut continues to be. I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can get this little production out of your running backs and still win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest problem. You know, we all look – we all everybody looks ahead, right? Everybody wants to know, hey, can this be a Super Bowl team? But nobody can freaking tell the future. Nobody really knows, right, Glenn? You know, so at the end of the day, I think the Ravens are just doing this thing one game at a time. You know, one, we, you know we got freaking – we got Boyle back last yep. week. Yep. You know – you know, it's like every week you pray that you get another one of your stars back, another one of your key players back that'll help you be that much better. As those players come back one by one by one, you're going to get better. It's inevitable. You know, they're starters for a reason. You know, so as they come back, you know, you got Brian Williams back this week, and when you see him out there on the field, even though Calais Campbell's not out there, you see Brian Williams out there. You're like, oh, I almost forgot about B Dub. And 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 and, and look and was too. and was great and was freeing things yeah. up, taking on the double teams, let the linebackers run free and Absolutely. have a, a brilliant night. It is, I dude, you get me, Dan. I'm not even kidding. I have ranted so much about the way that Ravens fans treat Brandon <laughs> Williams. We we have watched for years how much better the Ravens are against the run when Brandon Williams is on the field than when he's not. And yet, right. constantly, Ravens fans are ready to have Brandon Williams go pack. Oh, he gets paid too much because he's not Aaron Donald, right? Like right. because he's right. because there's one guy that's Aaron Donald, and it's not Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams yeah. has been so valuable for this team in what he does, and it was once again a reminder last night of of the difference that Brandon Williams makes when he's on the football field. Yeah, he's a playmaker, and he's rested, and he's healthy. You know, to see him move the way he moved last night and play the way that he played, I think it's phenomenal, man. But you know what I was saying, Glenn. I just think the Ravens are just taking this thing one at a time, man. They just they trying to win one and oh, they trying to be one and oh every week. Yep. And and that, and it's by any means necessary. You'll hear Harbaugh say Harbaugh say all the time, man. It wasn't pretty, you know. But at the end of the day, we got a W. And at the end of the day, that's all we care about as players. We don't care how we won the freaking game. We don't care if it was special teams. We don't care if it was offense. If it was defense, as long as we win, who freaking cares? You know. So if we can win one at a time, all the way to the Super Bowl then we'll worry about running game when we get to the Super Bowl. At Coach Wilcox on Twitter. <laughs> Give him a follow there. Listen to he and Bo Smolka and the Believe Podcast Network. They're doing the Believe's Ravens podcast. You can find it there. Dan Wilcox, is there anything else I can plug for you, my friends? Hey, Glenn, I appreciate the shout-out, man, and the love, man. Uh, I mean, I appreciate being on the show with you guys. You guys always do a phenomenal job, and you make my job so easy. 
Dude, you, you know how much we love you. That will never change. You will forever and always be. Maybe Drew loves you even more. Maybe. Maybe that's true. But you know how much I love you, brother, and I've always appreciated you, man. Thank you so much, as always, taking the time for us, bud. You too, man. Happy holidays. Kiss that wife. I will, for sure. Thank you, dude. Dan Wilcox. Love that guy. Um... I, look, man, I'm not trying to be overdramatic, and I'm trying to do both things. I'm trying to both be appreciative of what it is that we're seeing because it is it is nuts. It's bonkers. It's bonkers that everything that has gone on, the Ravens are somehow 8-3, and three, have the best record in the AFC. It's insanity that that's true. It makes no sense. It's, it's an incredible testament. At the beginning of the year, I, I said, look, it's really all about Lamar Jackson. Well, now it ain't – like, we can't even say that. It is a testament to – Eric DaCosta, and it is a testament to John Harbaugh, and it is a testament to up and down every player that's a part of this thing. Because there have been days where, you know, for as bad as Alejandro Villanueva has looked the last couple weeks, he had his days this season. Mm. For, you know, the fact that the offense was a mess last night, they certainly had games earlier on in the year that it was entirely about the offense they won. For as bad as the defense looked at times earlier on in the year, we just had the Patrick Queen conversation, right? Like, Patrick Queen was lost and then was the best player on the field last night. It really is a testament to the entirety of a football team that in different circumstances, different guys have stepped up. There is no singular reason. It's not just Lamar Jackson. He's still, for the totality of the season, the most important reason why they're 8-3, and three, but it ain't just Lamar Jackson. It is a testament to everyone involved. It's remarkable that they are 8-3, and three. and we can't say that enough, but I'm still afraid. You know, all year I've kind of scoffed, <laughs> no- <clears throat> scoffed at the notion that the Ravens could be a Super Bowl contender. Um, we even said just a couple of weeks ago, for the Ravens to win a football game with this roster right now, Lamar Jackson has to go out and, pl- and be Superman. Well, he, he wasn't there last week. Far from Superman. And, and he wasn't Superman l- last night. I can't scoff at the notion now because every week they go out and they find ways to win football games, and that's what that's what great teams do. I I, I can't scoff at the notion that they are they're a legitimate Super Bowl I, contender. I still I, I've I've thought they were a legitimate Super Bowl contender all year, and that has a lot to do obviously with the rest of the NFL. And mm-hmm. I still think they are, but I still can't come back. I cannot escape the running back thing. I can't. Uh, yeah. I can't escape it. It is the biggest fear that I have that that. We have an overwhelming amount of evidence at this point. That ain't changing. Mm-hmm. We're not waking up next week and suddenly this team's going to be a team that's going to figure out how to run the ball with their running backs. And that without that, they just can't do it. There's just no way for you to win a Super Bowl getting such little production from their running backs. But, I mean, hell, is it impossible? I don't know. It's so, so far in football history it's been. But it was so far in football history it had been impossible for... Uh, a team to win with a 66-yard field goal at the buzzer. And the Ravens did that. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll do more impossible. Uh, they, they, they've, I'm not going to try and give away my tidbit, but it's about them doing the impossible last night. Is it related to their record when Lamar Jackson throws two interceptions in a game? Uh, along those lines. That's in there. They, I have a lot of stuff for you. Yeah, I happen to know what the record is this season. The, I mean, are you Jonas Schaefer shared this last night. Right. The Ravens are 4-0 and when Lamar Jackson has thrown two or more interceptions in a game this season. Mm-hmm. The rest of the NFL is... 9-59. and 9-59 <clears throat> in games where their quarterback has thrown two. Two 
or more interceptions. There's plenty of games where a quarterback throws for four touchdowns and two interceptions, yeah. right? So even some of those nine wins were probably days where the quarterback wasn't even bad, just happened to throw two interceptions in there. Lamar Jackson was flat out bad last night, and yeah. they figured out a way to win a game. It's, it's crazy. It's That's just, just part of my tidbit. Nuts. There's All a lot right. for you. I, I, I've probably seen some of the under, other numbers have been floating around. A lot of these numbers have been floating around mm. um, about just the absurdity of what it is that uh, the Ravens did winning a game in which their quarterback threw for four interceptions. <sighs> Today's show also brought to you by... Ooh, this one's brought to you by the Press Box Fantasy show, show. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show returns this Thursday at 11.30 a.m. KZ will join us in studio to set your lineups. Gross week for me, really, in fantasy. Just a gross Every week. Every week's gross for me now, man. Gross I'm just done with it. Uh, I, I will get... A win that I need in one league as long as Russell Wilson doesn't go off for 31 points. But, you know, that's possible. Sure as hell possible, so I'm nervous about it. Yikes. Uh, We'll set your lineups this Thursday morning, 1130 a.m. KZ joins us. Pressbox Fantasy Football Show brought to you each and every week by CCBC as well as Glory Days Grill and the Maryland Department of Transportation. We'll see you for the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show this Thursday morning. When we come back in, Jeremy Kahn is going to join us. We'll talk to him about the Ravens, and we'll just talk about other stuff that we want to talk about with Jeremy Kahn. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday, like $6.99 burgers on Mondays and $5.99 nachos on Thursdays. And watch football on their big screens every Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. I've driven my tractor trailer millions of miles, and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember, because of the sheer weight and size of my truck, I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and brake suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Day. 
What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser show. The next Taz Bowser show is Tuesday, December 7th at the Bowman on Hartford Road in Parkville. It's brought to you by Pressbox, Great Eight memorabilia, as well as Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com, and the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard joins us courtesy of my bookie. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio after a Ravens victory last night. Ravens 8-3 and three on the year. And it is officially Pittsburgh week. And a weird time. We talked about how bad the Steelers looked. I, I, I think that a lot of people in Baltimore are dismissive of the Steelers, and I think that there's good reason to be dismissive of the Steelers, but I also think that most of us are realistic about the Ravens. And so I do not get the sense of like overconfidence um, in the Ravens against the Steelers. And some of that is Raven-Steelers history. Some of that is, you know, just the... There's a lot of reasons for it, but I think more than anything, it's because the Ravens haven't looked like world beaters. It's been a long time since we've seen a dominant Ravens performance. It's been since the Chargers game since we've seen a dominant Ravens performance. And so I just don't I don't get a feel, and I get we're only a few hours into Steelers week. I just don't get a feel that anyone in town is feeling overwhelmingly confident about this game against the Steelers this weekend. So you know, it it, it does it feel like a vintage Ravens Steelers week? No. No, it sure as hell doesn't feel like that. I have pointed out there is this weird thing where and you can say it's nothing more than the circumstance, but Lamar Jackson has not had a good game against the Steelers in his career. That hasn't happened. Now, some of that is unique circumstances, right? He didn't get to play in the game in Pittsburgh last year because of COVID. Um, he didn't play in the second Steelers game the year before that because that was the goofy year where the NFL insanely decided to make the Steelers game week 17. Is that last? Wait a second. Let me do my math again on this. I'm trying to remember the circumstances. Was that last year or the year before? So it was it was 2019. The Ravens had already clinched num- the, was the that number was one seed. Yeah, correct. And Robert Griffin the third started, and they still beat the Steelers. Correct. They still beat them. But Lamar didn't even get to play yeah. because the NFL did that it, it just insane bit where they put Ravens-Steelers in Week 17 and ran the risk of it not meaning anything, which I'll, I, I said for, when people saw the schedule, like, oh, that's awesome. They're putting Ravens-Steelers in Week 17. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're taking a game that should mean everything and running the risk of it not meaning anything at all, which is exactly mm. what ended up playing out. Um, they did the same thing this year. They, they had the Steelers the last game of the year. Sense. I'll never understand the NFL <coughs> doing that. I don't get it at all. I'll never understand that. Ah, it's, 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 it's quite infuriating. Um, but you go back to the regular season last year, and Lamar finished 13 of 28 with two interceptions in that game against the Steelers. Two fumbles, that's right. He had two fumbles as well, thank you. You go back to the year before that, and even in the midst of an MVP season, remember that was the game that oddly like started the Ravens' win streak, but it was his worst game of the year. It was the Marlon Humphrey was the reason they won that game in overtime, as you'll remember. Lamar that day 
threw for 161 yards, had three picks. In his career, Lamar Jackson has never played well against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just an anomaly for the most part. It's not like he's had 10 tries and he's played poorly in all of them. It just so happens to be that that's the way that it's worked out. And he's coming off the two worst games of his career, possibly. Just all things that you sort of file away as you get ready for Raven Steelers coming up this Sunday. Just all things that you keep in mind given the circumstances. All right. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, he is our friend, Mr. Jeremy Kahn, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, Daily Picks, PressBoxOnline.com. What's going on, sir? How are you? What's yep. up, man? How's it going? Everything's all right. What's going on with you? How was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting weekend, to say the least. As I, I got murdered on Thanksgiving uh, with my picks, and then on Friday it wasn't much better. Saturday had a winning day, although it wasn't uh, the pleasant winning day that I'd hoped for, like a big one. And then yesterday, uh, you know, what can go wrong will go wrong in the NFL. Um, as I had the Browns plus three and a half. Mm. So, I, you know, mm. I feel fortunate that they, they got that touchdown. Um, I, I said in a perfect scenario, the Ravens win by three. That way, you know, they still get the victory, the, the spread covers. And, and, you, don't have to, and you don't have to lose a toe, right? Like, yeah, so all those things. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it just didn't turn out the way I'd hoped. And, and the NFL, it's just so, it's so, so weird watching these games because I just, I still, I still don't think there's a lot of good teams. <laughs> I think there's some okay teams, and we'll see what happens in the end. There definitely are not a lot of good, I mean, I'd say that there are plenty of good teams. There aren't dominant teams. There aren't. You know, Fair that that I mean, they're teams that are good enough in a year where nobody's dominant. I guess is the best way I could say. It. Yeah, what the Ravens are doing is is unbelievably impressive with yep. all the injuries they had. Yep, but it's still in, in, infuriating. I saw what did I read this morning? Somebody tweeted out, and I don't have his name in front of me, but it was like, um, if you're suffering from you know uh, whatever high blood pressure, and you're a Ravens fan, you may be entitled to money this season. Call me, <laughs> right, you know, like some right. fake lawyer hotline, right. but. It's, but that's how it's been. It's been like you're damn near a heart attack every game because it could go one way or the other. And maybe that's a good thing, but there's been some bad football and even worse officiating, which I'm sure we'll talk about. This is so I don't, I don't, I don't get worked up in the officiating. I just you can't get me to get worked up about it. And I, look, I've had already had the conversation a few times about the, the the replay thing. You guys can be as mad about that as you want. But all of the evidence you're trying to say, this is why this is so clear and such an obviously egregious bad call, is nonsense. You are staring at something, and you are pretty sure that you're seeing what you're seeing. And by the way, I agree with you. I think the ball probably hit the ground there. But the notion that it was so overwhelming that the standard of, unless it's obvious, clear and obvious... You don't overturn the call on the field. There was nothing that they saw under the hood that made it clear and obvious because they saw those same two shots. By the way, credit credit to the NBC crew who walked through that perfectly and said, look, we're all seeing the same thing from the angle from behind that you are. It definitely looks like the ball hits the turf. But now watch this. And you're telling me with certainty that the ball didn't hit the leg and wasn't pinned there. You can't say that uh, with see, certainty. I, I don't know. I think this one's a little bit more egregious than you, but I, I, I get it because – if if it's called one thing on the field, it has to be overwhelming evidence. That's the point. That's what it is. I th- I think the ball hit the ground too. I'm with you guys. I think it did. But this thing where we're flaming and flipping out about officials when there is absolutely gray area in there for them to say, I, we think that's what happened, but we can't say it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I get why they stick with the call on the field in the same way. If it had been called the other way, they would have stuck with the call on the field. And there's a bigger problem because officials are kind of 
erring on the side of just call it a score so that it'll be reviewed. And when that's the case and when that's the call on the field, that's a burden that hurts them in going back and reviewing it. That's a bigger problem the NFL has to deal with in these situations. But they got a bunch of people to look back and say, we're not 100% certain about that. And if we're not 100% certain, we're not supposed to overturn the call. I don't yeah. think it was a touchdown, but this bit that we're doing, we're pretending like it's the most egregious thing that ever happened. That's insane. That's us being mad because we think we're right about it. And so we're trying to portray it to be this utter. There are a billion things that occur in every football game that are far more egregious than the fact that that play wasn't overturned. So it's funny you're you're saying that because I like I won't stand for the Jerome Boger slander. It just won't mm. happen in front mm. of me. I, it's um, a good point. It's a good point. By but, the way, and I should have. I do regret the fact that I didn't lead into this conversation by introducing fine. you as but Jerome Boger. The, the funny thing about all this is that that situation of the you know, too many men on the field, and then you know they were awarded the opportunity. Like I heard people complaining about it, and I'm like, if you were on the opposite side of it, just put the shoe on the other foot oh. and say that the Ravens right. were on defense and the Browns substituted. You'd want to have a chance to match. So that's what they allowed them to do. Then the dumbass Browns allow – it looked like there were 15 guys out there to come I mean, out was, on the field. It was nuts. Um, so then, then they're forced to call their timeout in the next series where, you know, that now they're subbing. Oh, we have too many? Okay, so we're calling a timeout. That play didn't happen. That was the right thing to do because they substituted late. Now, then the Browns come out of the timeout with 12 men on the field again, and it's like – I can't even defend you now. You, you, you guys are dumbasses. How uh, does this even happen? The only, the only part about all that that's weird to me, I thought there was, in those situations, an official was supposed to stand over the football to prevent the ball from being snapped. I, I, they were. So, so, so what I think happened was the, the, the official, they set the ball and then the Ravens substituted late. They brought somebody on, and then that's when the Browns were supposed to be afforded the same opportunity. And they weren't. So I think the official sh- should have still been there. Right. That was that's but, my point. I thought, yeah. That, yeah, I thought the official was supposed to stay there. And I guess the answer is like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's all, it's a very weird bit. But yes, ultimately, if you substitute, the other team is supposed to be able to substitute too. That is very clear uh, in the rules. Except for I think apparently like in the last two minutes that goes away, and I didn't know about that. Like in the last two minutes, it's just ali ali oxen free. You do whatever you want, snap the ball whenever you want, even if a team is still substituting. Um, yeah, it's just another weird thing about the NFL, but it is what it is. Um, can, all, can I just give you a little play-by-play of so? Like, I'm I'm out in uh, the parking lot over here in White Marsh. Yes, I would love know, it. The, yes, please. Okay, so so it's so funny. Uh, uh, an SUV pulls in, and if you've ever driven a a bigger truck, a bigger like SUV, you know sometimes when you're pulling forward, you're worried you're too far out into the parking lot, yes. and you're going to be blocking the lane. Correct. So a lot of times you cut it close, and what happens is you get out of your car, and you end up looking behind you. It's like, well, hell, I'm in the other parking lot. Well, so there's an SUV that did just that, and I'd say the back quarter of their car is in the parking space behind it. Then this big-ass F-150 pulls up, this white truck, and there's a woman driving it, and she pulls in, and she's getting really close to the bumper. I'm like, oh, man, she's going to hit it. But instead of her hitting it, she decides to back up even further to live le- to leave like three feet in between the cars. So her entire back end of her truck, the entire like I'm talking half of this truck is now in the dr- the lane that you want to drive down to find your parking spot. Awesome. Oh, by the way, there's a thousand open parking spots. Like wow. literally, she could have parked in the spot next to her. But instead, this is where she's going to leave her truck. Well, well, that's <laughs> tremendous work. It's tremendous. I don't, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. It's I'm going to take a picture and send it to you. Like Please This is the do. most ridiculous Please thing do. I've ever Please seen. Please do. Jeremy Kahn is with us here on uh, Glenn Clark Radio. 
I, I don't know what else there is to say about the Ravens because it, you're 100. It's it is it's unreal what they've done. It's unreal that given these circumstances, they're in this position. I my gut continues. And by the way, as I said before, there's no game that they've got on their schedule the rest of the way where I say, well, they couldn't win that game. Or, boy, that's going to be unbelievably difficult. I get the Bengals in the moment looks tough, but which Bengals team is going to show up um, in every game? I have no idea. So, I, you know, I, it's it's incredible what they've been able to do. I still Have you have you done the peak four to look at the schedules and see how, like, the Ravens play Cincinnati right. the day after Christmas? And to me, that's the most important game that's left on their schedule because you lose that not only, like, if we just took the record and say they went out and the Ravens lose that game, obviously now Cincinnati has that tiebreaker yep. over you, so it's like another half a win that you need to overcome. And the Ravens still have, you know, two Pittsburgh games, Cleveland, Cincy, and the Rams and the Packers, which the Rams have now lost three games since acquiring Von Miller and Odell Beckham. Um, and then you look at Cincinnati, and Cincinnati has uh, pretty much the AFC West, three of those games. I think it's Denver, the Chargers, and Kansas City. Um, they still have divisional games against the Ravens uh, and and the Browns. And then there's, there's another game mixed in there, but they're five of their last seven games are at home. So, I mean, I think if you look at these two teams, I would favor Cincinnati to win the division. But, again, they've lost to the Jets. They they lost yep. back-to-back games. You just don't know what you're going to get. That, and that's the reality. I, I don't fear anything that's left. I still – the only fear that I have related to the Ravens is someone who still prefers for them to win. Like, whatever fan level of fan I am, the fear that I have continues to be that ultimately I just don't think – that a team can win a Super Bowl getting this little production from their running backs. I just don't. It hasn't been possible in NFL history, and there have been some that have gotten low numbers, but not this low. Like, the Patriots got more from Jonas Gray that year than the Ravens (laughs) are getting from this group of running backs. I just don't think you can win a Super Bowl getting this little production. But they've, they've already done a bunch of things I didn't think teams could do during the course of the season. So, Yeah, look, it's been impressive. You saw the stat where they said, Lamar has, uh, he's 4-0 in games where he's thrown two or more interceptions, and the rest of the league is like 9-80 and 80 or, or something ridiculous like that. So, um, yeah, they've been very fortunate the way things have fallen, and, and when the lights have been the brightest, they've, they've shown up, at least in my opinion, the biggest in those moments in the fourth quarter, which that's why they've won. By the way, these are some new, I, I just saw this picture, these are new strip clubs that you're going to, Party yeah. City and Dicks. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's <laughs> well, a... They, it's when, all it's the same thing. I mean this you go to Dick's for Party City, right? Isn't that how it works? All right, Jeremy no. Kahn, Jeremy Kahn, 1057 You see this truck? It's halfway out in the damn lane. It's more than halfway. Yeah, it's correct. I don't know how anybody's driving down that, that lane. That is a really weird bit. All right. Ridiculous, all right, so let's talk about the Orioles thing, because I haven't had a chance to talk about it all morning, right? Okay. Um, I, and I don't know how much you guys got to talk about it on your show this morning. I'm. I, it, it's a weird spot. I got to talk about when the when the John Means rumors popped up last week. We talked about it a little bit. Now the Cedric Mullins thing uh, you know, is a rumor over the weekend. I still get the sense that the Orioles are are more saying, look, we're we're telling you if you want to overwhelm us, then then we'll of course talk about it. That it's closer to that than them openly shopping these guys. But I also I feel like they're in a weird place when it comes to these two players in particular because I think they still have to ask the question, what are these two guys? And is there some world where they're not necessarily guys you know, Cedric Mullins is going to be 30 by the time his arbitration years are up. Um, is that a player that you're you're keeping around for another five to six years at that point? And is John Means' injury history cons- – like, I still think there's another side 
to the story for what the Orioles are looking at, short of it just being them attempting to sell off for high. I think they've got to really consider exactly who these guys are and exactly what their value is. And I think that's a conversation we don't want to have in Baltimore because we just want to believe that Cedric Mullins is the new Adam Jones. Yeah, so here, here's my, my issue with this. And like part of me really wants to just punch John Heyman in the face um, You know, for these stories that leak out because I think there's validity to it with the fact that they are, they'll listen to anything. You, you, you'd be stupid not to listen. If somebody called and, and offered you their entire farm system for a player, you'd be stupid not to listen to it, depending on the situation and how much control you have and who's being offered. Is it a bunch of nobodies or is it a bunch of really good prospects? Like, you'd be unbelievably silly not to listen. But the other thing that you do in these situations is you hear who's available. Like, so you're going to listen and say, what would you be willing to give up? Now you know, okay, let's say the Rangers, who have been the most busy team in the offseason, apparently them and the Mets, um, they, they're like, hey, we would offer these four prospects. Well, now you know those prospects are available, so if you're not willing to give up Cedric Mullins, maybe you're willing to listen on something else, or there's something you call them about saying, oh, you were going to do this for this. I, I think you always have to listen. And, like, none of us would be – well, at least I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved means. Um, you know, you've had a little bit of a roller coaster with him where he's looked really good mm-hmm. the first half and – has tailed off in the second. And does that mean he's a bad pitcher? No, but that's what we've seen the past two years, or past three years, I should say. So you're always going to listen. I, I think Oriole fans need to realize, like, I think people want them to be what the Texas Rangers are right now, going out and spending money left and right. And what they're doing, I think, is incredibly stupid. I just don't think they're so, there yet. I don't think their farm system's there. I think they're doing what the Orioles used to do. Like, oh, well, we got all this money. Let's go spend some right, money. And, right. You know, we got Marcus Semyon, and now we're, we're going to bring in uh, you know, this picture, we just signed John Gray for 50 some million. I, I mean, I don't, for the life of me, I don't get it, but, um, and then now they're talking to some other players. I, I don't, I don't think that's the right move, but I have no issues with them listing the offers on anyone. I think it would be but, silly to trade Cedric Mullins after what you just saw, but I, I, again, I, it's, it's one year. I hear what you're saying. And Jamie, I'm going to go a step beyond that with this Cedric Mullins. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up a tweet. This is Michael Bauman from the ringer. Uh, not Michael Bauman. Who's in the, the Orioles system. Michael Bauman, who's okay. a baseball writer for the ringer. And tweeted, Are we sure they're not the same guy? We, I, I, think the they have, I think they have been in the same place. And, no, I don't, I don't know if okay. that's the case at all. So this is the tweet that he sent over the weekend. He said, A bit of a bummer that the Orioles, who haven't been within 10 games of 505 years, think, which, by the way, is also not true. I mean, like he's saying at the end of the season, think their contention timeline might not fit Cedric Mullins, who's under team control for four more years. If you're going to trade Mullins, why not Rutschman? And it's absurd hyperbole, of course. But what it's not doing is is it's not addressing that there is a Cedric Mullins problem that we don't want to talk about. And it's we don't want to talk about it because we just want to bask in the joy of Cedric Mullins having this magical season. Like, as Orioles fans absolutely want to bet. It's incredible that this happened with Cedric Mullins. But what exactly are you supposed to do with Cedric Mullins now? And that's the, the answer that I, I don't think anybody's got. And I think it's part of the problem. He's 27 years old. Byron Buxton is 27 years old, right? The Twins just gave Byron Buxton money. But Byron Buxton was one year away from free agency, so of course the Twins were going to give Byron Buxton money. Cedric and he has Mullen, more of a track record outside of his injuries. Exactly right. Cedric Mullins is a guy who has been an incredibly high-level player for one year in his career. Now, it was an incredibly high level. He's 27, and he's years away from free agency. So the first thing that you would say is, well, ideally, I guess... You try to buy it out a few years of free agents or of, of arbitration, right? And you try to do something where maybe you give him six years right now and you sign him that way 
and you give him a good amount of money, it makes it worthwhile. But if you're Cedric Mullins, you might have one opportunity in your life to make money in free agency. So are you really interested in having arbitration years bought out? Or do you want to go into that one time that you're going to hit free agency and say, this is my one opportunity to cash in that I will ever have, and so I don't, I don't want to screw with that. I don't want to delay it until I'm 32 because I'm going to miss out on having one opportunity to cash in. So if, and I'm not suggesting that I think the Orioles have offered something like that. They've never done this in the past. But if they do, and you're Cedric Mullins and you turn it down, now what do you do? Because this is the, the awkward part. The likelihood of the Orioles winning a World Series between now and 2025 is extraordinarily slim. It's extraordinarily slim. Yeah. Are you, and, and what do you do? Yeah, I think I think that's the thing that people don't look at is you start to because you don't you're not thinking about ages and and where they start to fall off and when they came you know to be and is this something that um, has staying power? Does you know it, let's say Cedric Mullins uh, over the next four years is seventy percent of what he was this past year? That's still really really good and you'd probably want that guy on your roster. But there's nothing wrong with looking yourself in the mirror and saying okay we're, we're like I believe that after next off season is when they should be spending money and that this team should be moving forward. But again, they may not envision it that way. They may look at it differently. Um, it all matters, like, you know, how they see themselves. And, and I'm not totally against whatever they're doing because I don't want to be back in this position again where we're, we're doing this all over again, which, you know, all the praise that the Giants got in the offseason. Now Buster Posey's going to retire. Uh, they're losing Kevin Gosman. They're losing, like, all these things that everybody's, right. oh, look what the Giants are doing. They're, they're trying it. They're making an effort to do this, this, or this. And now they're going to be right back at square one where they have to figure out is their farm system ready? Are they ready to call somebody up? What have you? The same thing with the Orioles, where we're, we want them to be competitive, but we, we kind of got to wait for that when they feel like the right opportunity is to go out and spend money. And I agree with them not going out and spending money willy-nilly just to try to uh, appease the fans. You do it when you're ready. As long as they're saving money now that they're going to spend later, I'm okay with that, and only time will tell. Spending money to be a 74-win baseball team is a horrendous idea. It's one of the worst yeah. ideas I could ever think of in my life. It makes no look at, sense. Look they, at the Diamondbacks over the past few. They went out and they signed Madison Bumgarner. They signed Zach Greinke. What are they What are they uh, angry about? That they signed Zach Greinke and that they right, signed correct. Madison Bumgarner and gave them all that money. You know, they make the move for Eduardo Escobar. Didn't he just sign with the Mets? Like, you know, it's you have to make smart decisions, and I feel like people praise these teams for, I'm doing my air quotes, trying, when it's not a smart business move. It's just not. Look, man, I don't know what the answer is, and I'm openly admitting this. I don't know what the answer is on Cedric Mullins. It is one of the more complicated situations that the Orioles have been faced with, and I think we should be capable of saying it is unique. It is different than other situations that other teams are in. It's different than other situations that the Orioles are in. The hyperbole of this guy comparing it to Adley Rutschman is is absurd to the nth degree. Yeah, I mean, it's, they, it's, they all it's, do that dumb it's stuff, insane, man. It's insane, right? Like, it's utterly insane. You tell me. You tell me what the Orioles do with Cedric Mullins. Explain to me what the solution is with Cedric Mullins. Because I get it. We all want to say, well, let him go play and have fun. But, like, how does that help you? How does it not put yourself in a position where you don't win a World Series in the next few years? Cedric Mullins, by the time you realize you have to trade him because he's, he's going to want to get the free agency, does not have the same trade value that he would have had at this moment, attempting to trade him coming off of his best season ever. I, do something. This is my constant, like, my constant argument is do something. The Manny Machado decision screwed up this organization for a decade. 
to just sit, not go all in on trying to win a World Series, not trade him when he had his highest value, and not sign him. Doing nothing screwed this franchise in relation yeah. to Manny Machado. Stop doing And I'm not trying to compare Cedric Mullins to Manny Machado. Make that very clear. They're not, it's not, God bless Cedric Mullins. Love him. He ain't Manny Machado. But you got to do something with your assets. There has to be a strategy. There has to be a plan. And if the plan is this asset uniquely does not fit with what we think the window is, but we think we can get a lot for that guy, I ain't going to be mad about that. You can't get me to be mad about that. Yeah, and, and you know, to your point, the, the other thing with, with all this is like I think a lot of fans would like to see Kind of what the Rays just did with Wander Franco, or what the you know the Cleveland Indians had done with Carlos Santana. We've seen the Rays do it with Longoria. Yep. A lot of teams do it where they get rid of some arbitration years, but it has to be for the right player. Um, I wish the Orioles would do more of that, and I'm hoping they do in the future because I think for a team that doesn't consider themselves as a large market team, we're probably somewhere in the mid. That that makes sense. Like, it's the best. When you the, the... recognize talent, and you think it has you that he has staying power. Yep. And he's going to be producing every year. Take the chance, and any anytime you sign anybody, you're giving them guaranteed money. It's clearly blown up in their face, and maybe they are a little bit more hesitant after signing a guy like Chris Davis to see what happened there. But I, I don't think you can operate that way by, you know, as, as my man Young Jeezy once said, scared money don't make money. Ah, yes, right? yeah, profit, profit Young Jeezy. Yeah. I believe he's just Jeezy now, isn't he? He's no yeah. longer young. Um, Jeremy, to your point, to your point, the best thing, when people bring up like, hey, you can't do that. It would be bad PR for the Orioles to trade John Means or Cedric Mullins. You'll hear that all the time. They just can't do it. It would be terrible PR for them. And I always say back, well, one, how much worse can it get, right? Like, they're the worst team in baseball. How much worse can things be? But two, I would say the exact opposite is the best thing they could do for this fan base is the day after Adley Rutschen makes his debut, they do what you're talking about that the Rays have done with their young players. And they say, mm-hmm. we've given him a deal. We've bought out his arbitration years. We're going to keep him around for a couple years. And I don't know where Adley Rutschman's camp is because he's also, because he was a college player, not a high school guy, he's maybe a couple, and plays a position that's a little bit more demanding. So they might say, no, we don't want to wait any longer to get the free agency either, and we're not willing to do that. But if they're at all willing to do it, it would do wonders for this for this franchise and this fan base for them to do that type of deal with Adley Rutschman. But Cedric Mullins at 27, I don't even know if it makes sense. I, I, I don't so, know if it makes for who it makes. It might make sense for the Orioles. I don't know that it makes sense for Cedric Mullins. Yeah, I mean, the Braves, go look at what the Braves paid Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies, too. I mean, I mean they forego I, those. I, it, ideally, it, it does yes, help on yes, the back end. Correct, yeah, ideally. It, especially if they turn out to be the type of player you want them to be. And if, and if you think that's the if you think Cedric Mullins, if you are convinced that this is who Cedric Mullins is moving forward, and you just want to go ahead and, and make it a nine-year deal now and say we're going to give him the money he was going to get in free agency in four years, like this is the way it's going to go, okay. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to, to buy that necessarily after one season, but if you are that confident, I'll listen to you. But if you're not, I think you should be listening. I think that's the reality, and I just don't think people want to talk about that because it's easier to just dump on the Orioles or to just be mad about It's a complicated thing, man. This is way more complicated than anybody wants to talk about. They just want it to be very... The Twins signed Byron Buxton. Why aren't the Orioles signing Cedric Mullins? Well, he's not a free agent for a long time. For a long time, he's not a free agent. I, I... could they do it for the fun of doing it? I, I guess they could do it that way and just give away money if that's what they wanted to do. I, I they, They've got one year. they got one year of evidence that says this is who Cedric Mullins is. He wasn't scouted this way. 
There was nobody that thought he was this guy. They got one year of it. So you want to say after one year, you're just giving him a boatload of money when you don't have to give him a boatload of money. That sounds to me like it's horrendous business. That sounds like the, the things that you do that are really dumb for a franchise to be doing, for any franchise to be doing. Um, yeah, and I'm in the same boat there. Like I, I, I'm fine with them listening to everything. Do I want them to trade Cedric Mullins? No. But if they got overwhelmed with the deal, does it make sense for the organization? It could. And I don't think they're going to be like people are like, oh, you're just gonna, every time somebody gets good, you're going to trade them away. No. They're trying to get as much cheap talent as they can so when they spend money, they're, they're ready to compete for a long time, not for a year or two, not for this or that. And now they finally got a lot of the bad money off the books. And now they're at this point where it's like, all right, this is what you have to figure out moving forward and what direction they're taking. And it is vastly different. I know people don't want to hear it playing in the AL East. When you have 100%. the Red Sox, now you look at what the Blue Jays are doing. The Tampa Bay has their own model. I didn't even bring up the Yankees yet who are going to spend more money this offseason. And those teams can make, you know, bad decisions as far as contracts go and eat it where – you saw what the Orioles did with the, the Chris Davis thing the past couple of years. They didn't spend any money. They were, went right into the rebuild mode. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, I think we're all together all week long, which, uh, you know, it, it hasn't what been a novel, What a sure. novel concept for a... Yeah, a get, it, get, get everybody together. But, um, you know, I know tomorrow we'll talk to Ross Tucker. He was here calling the Ravens game last night, get his take on... I mean, he just got a bunch of terrible food takes and nonsense like that. But, uh, but we'll, we'll get into all that. Um, Continue talking about the upcoming week. It's Steelers week, so should be a fun one. Uh, you know, with us in the morning from six to ten. Ross once attempted to pay me to punch me in the face. This is a true story. He once said, "Really, Glenn, I would." Pay. And I don't remember what the number was, but ultimately, I like I said no, and then I look back, I'm like, "Why didn't I just say yes? Like, why wouldn't I?" He just so Drew said something to him once about like, uh, "Do you just miss the feel of football?" And he was like, "I miss it so bad that when I'm in town on Sunday, I'll pay Glenn." And I don't remember what the number was. 300 bucks or something like that to let me punch him in the face. And I was, I was at the time like, that's a bad idea. I shouldn't do that. This past May, when I was on my, on my yearly golf trip with my dad, uh, I was at Mackey's yeah. and this guy walks into me, he knocks a drink out of my hand and I say, all right, man, let's go get, go get me another drink. He goes, no, I'm not going to buy you a drink. Punch me in the face. I said, no. What the? I, what? I, I said, no, I'm not going to punch you in the face. Just get me another drink. He goes, dude, I'm not buying you a drink. So you either punch me in the face or he, he basically just wanted me to punch him in the face. So he, like, stuck his chin out and he let me punch him in the face. It's a really weird bit. Man. Yeah, but, really... but my friend brought it to my attention. It's genius because he didn't. He knocked a drink out of my hand. He didn't have to buy me a new drink. And best case scenario for him, he gets punched in the face and I got kicked out for punching the dude in the face. I didn't get kicked so out. Really, but. everything about that. I've got. There are so many layers to the onion of that that story. That that that, 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 that I don't. I don't kink shame. I think that's made that abundantly clear. <laughs> Everybody knows that. I I've paid people shame. to hit me, but they have to sign a, a non-disclosure <laughs> right, agreement right, beforehand. Right, right. And that that's involves... what I was going to get into. Everything has a price, Glenn. As I'm slowly unbuttoning my shirt. Yep. For me, at least. <laughs> yep. You just have to let me know what you, that price I, is I, and what we're doing. I know that very well. There's a few things we <laughs> talked about with that. All right. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter, and of course, his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Thank you, pal. Talk to you next Monday. Thanks, man. I'll see you guys. It's Jeremy Cotton. Joins us every week here on GCR. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot more to say about the Orioles thing because I can't give you an answer. But if you can't understand why uniquely John Means and Cedric Mullins are a little bit different than other players you find yourself in this position with, I, you're doing it purposely because you're not trying. They are in unique circumstances with John Means and Cedric Mullins. This thing you do where people just say, well, isn't the point of all this to find John Means and to find Cedric Mullins? To some extent, yes. To some extent. 
But it's not that simple because there's complications on both guys. So what do you do? You tell me. Tell me right now what should the Orioles do about Cedric Mullins. Line it up. Line out for me exactly what they should do about Cedric Mullins. It's the same the same situation that they were in <coughs> with, with Trey Mancini after 2019. It's like this guy just put up a 35-homer, 38-double season where he had 290 and close to 100 RBIs. But by the time this rebuild is over, he's going to be 33 years it's, old. It's a little bit different because, and I pointed out a lot, Trey Mancini, by by virtue of the position that he plays, mm-hmm. there was always going to be a limit to what you could get in the trade market. Yeah, like there was yeah. always going to be there. Every organization thinks they have Trey Mancini. They believe if he's not already on the major league roster, they've got a Trey Mancini coming, or there's someone who's currently playing another position. That worst case scenario, he's going to be their Trey Mancini, well, right? I, I mean, in the scenario in which, well, why wouldn't you buy out his arbitration years and try and try to extend him? Well, You're never going to get a lot for Trey Mancini. That's just never going to happen. And that's what makes this more complicated. Yeah, it's another complication with Cedric Mullins is that he plays a position and plays it fairly well, mm-hmm. and so. There might be some additional value with Cedric Mullins on the trade market. The, the, the Trey Mancini conversation was always a weird, it was a weird conversation to have because you, you had to acknowledge that there was an, an almost extreme limit to what he could do for you as a trade chip. Mm-hmm. As good as he was, as he was always more valuable in Baltimore than he was going to be anywhere else because he was our guy and he was the face of the franchise in a miserable time, and he stepped up and he took on leadership, and then, of course, obviously, his health issues on top. Like, all of these things made him more valuable than he could have ever been on the open market. Mm-hmm. Teams just aren't out there trading ransoms or significant packages for positionless players. They don't do that. They think they've got those guys. They think they've got a power-hitting first baseman. Either already there or somewhere in their system. Right. So they they might be willing to trade you something at the deadline if their guy got hurt, but not something that's overwhelming. You're right. never getting that. I'm not saying you're going to get something overwhelming for Cedric Mullins, but you might be able to get a good bit. You might be able to get a nice package for a team that looks around and says, and we can get a high-level, everyday center fielder that's under team control for another few years. We could give you a good bit for that. Yeah. More than you were going to get for Trey Mancini. Those teams, of course, also didn't scout Cedric Mullins as being this player. They're also thinking about whether or not Cedric Mullins really is this guy or or is he a guy that had a hell of a season and is going to be back to reality. Is he Jacoby Ellsbury? Right. Correct. Something along those lines. But you might be able to get that right now. If you don't do that, what are you doing? What is the plan? What is the thought process? Because if the thought process is, and I hear this all the time, well, you don't have to trade him right now. You could trade him later. He's not getting more valuable. The closer a player gets to free agency, they don't get more valuable. They get one thing. They depreciate. Mm-hmm. A la Manny Machado. So now what? So buying the player out of arbitration years? I just want to keep saying it's a hell of a thought. I want to see the Orioles start doing it. But is that what Cedric Mullins wants? Does Cedric Mullins and his team look at his future and say, we've got one shot. we got one chance to cash in big time. It's when you're 30 years old and you hit free agency. And if we delay that by adding on two more years, we might run ourselves out of any opportunity. 
Okay, so now you gotta now you gotta pay more in order to be able to get him to take that deal. Now you gotta pay him essentially what he would be making when he hits free agency. Are you ready to do that with a player who's had one good season? Right. All right. He's gotta be. He's gotta show that he can do this. And, and we talk about this on the bat around uh, Zach and I all the time. Yeah, he had a really great season. I don't ever expect him to have the year again that he had this year. I think that if you get 280 and 20 homers out of him and 30 stolen bases, that's a really good player. But that's not a 30-30 guy that hit around 300 Look, I, I hope this is who Cedric Mullins is moving we all forward. Do. I hope it that's just... the case. But, yes, I think more realistically it's hard for that to be your expectation. Yeah. Ben from San Francisco. <laughs> regarding the winner, sorry, regarding the window, once they call up Adley, they have a six-year window with whom we hope is a gener- generational talent. When that clock starts is when I start getting really up in arms about who is taking the field with him. Um, okay. I mean, I, I hear you. And I think I've made, I've made an argument similar to that before, but I've, I've said that I have, I have altered my thinking a bit because they got, you know, the, the, the trade... The trade thing is so damning. They had so little to start this with. And by the way, part of that might be why I'm not as worked up about the idea of trading Cedric Mullins. Like, if you can trade Cedric Mullins to make up for the pieces you didn't get when you kicked off this rebuild, might give you a better chance. I, I think being realistic, if Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez both get to the major league level this season, and both pan out. Maybe not. Grayson Rodriguez might not look like a major league ace in a half a season or however much he would be up here. Mm. But you can see he's clearly a major league pitcher and he might be you know, moving towards being a top-end major league pitcher. Then Jeremy's argument that next offseason is your first window for considering to spend money. I'm listening. I still don't like my chances in division at that yeah. point. And I'm still nervous about it. But the problem really becomes what's next what's coming that's next after those two guys and that's the part that like it's a really awkward conversation because it's everything else is a question mark there's two guys that we are confident in and then there's a bunch of guys that we think are maybes like that might very well be helpful pieces Kyle Stowers of the world right Michael Michael Bauman maybe you know might might be a helpful piece but we don't know that yeah and so it might require some spending, or it might require getting a few more prospects in the system to match with that timeline so that two years down the road, reinforcements are coming. And if you can obtain another couple of players that immediately replenish your system at the point at which Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez get called up by trading Cedric Mullins, ultimately... That might be the best thing that you can do. I get it. It's awkward. It sucks. It doesn't feel good. But we got to be realistic about where the Orioles are. And frankly, where Cedric Mullins is. And this would all be different if Cedric Mullins was 23, right? If he was 23, you'd immediately say, attempt to buy him out of his arbitration years now. Now, attempt to do that. But at 27... I just don't know if he and his team want that. I, I don't I don't know if that's smart for them to do a deal like that. And maybe it's again, if it's there's only chance of getting money. If they're sort of accepting like 
this is it. This is our one shot of getting money. We just got to take whatever it is the Orioles are willing to offer. Then okay, do that, right? Do at least try, at least attempt to. But if they say no, what do you do? I, I guess that would be the way I would say it. If you've already explored, if you've gone down the road of saying, would you take a five or six year deal now that pays you well, not overwhelmingly, but pays you well to be a centerpiece of this? It might bite the Orioles in the ass because he might not prove to be that guy. But if if you do it at a number, what's what's the fair number? If you do a five or six year deal for what five seventy five, something like that. Right? Would that be about yeah, right? Yeah, considering he's only done it one time. Yeah, yeah, five, five for seventy-five. I think max five for ninety. If you offer that, and they say no, we want to get the free agency. Well, then you got your answer. Then mm-hmm. th- that's it. That's your answer. And you say then, okay, we probably have to trade you at this point. We have to try to. We have to try to trade you. Not, you know, again, it's still not be saying you just trade him for the sake of trading him. You don't just say, boy, nobody wants the guy, but we'll take whatever we can get. But if there's somebody out there that offers you a package that involves legitimate prospects, I think you trade him. I mean, I think that's the reality. You have to be this cold in these situations because the situation warrants it. If there was a world in which I thought the Orioles were well-suited to be a World Series contender between now and and when Cedric Mullins comes up for free agency, I might feel differently about it. But I I don't I just don't see that. No, I, I can't argue. I, we've been talking about for months that his value is never going to be higher than it is at this exact moment. You have to explore all possibilities. And like you said, if he gets, if they get back legitimate prospects, specifically, in my opinion, specifically pitching prospects, that's something they you, don't have. Have to, you have to explore it. Yep, you have to. All right. Uh, John Proctor says he doesn't have 300 bucks, but he'll offer, he's offered five to punch me in the face. John, I'm going to pass for now, but get back to me after Christmas. After I finish my shopping, I might need those $5. So get back to me then. Today's show also brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which returns tonight with special guest Boog Pal. The great Boog Pal joins Stan and Ross Grimsley this evening. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you miss it, you can see it tomorrow there by clicking on the videos tab or by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash video. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit and tubular to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Hey, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. Cold weather has arrived, and that means one thing, higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help. For a limited time, get a house of windows for only $99 a month. Rising natural gas prices are affecting everyone, but new Window Nation windows can help. Get a house of windows for only $99 a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window Nation today at 866-90NATION or go online at Window Nation. 
Nation.com. This incredible deal is only good through the end of December. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we wind down for a Monday edition of the program. Don't forget, it's Monday, so that means that at Glory Days Grill, they've got $6.99 burgers all day. $6.99 burgers at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Get over there today. Enjoy it as you watch the game tonight. Take one home. Enjoy it there. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Love me some burgers at Glory Days Grill. Every Monday, $6.99 burgers. You probably did a good bit out cooking. I have reached the point where, like, I'm, I don't need any more turkey. I'm good. I'm good. This is why I have, I have chastised you all over this over the years. We lazily talk about the greatness of Thanksgiving leftovers. Mm-hmm. We, did a, we did a bit one year about the greatest uh, holiday leftovers. And I said, I get it. We just associate Thanksgiving with leftovers. We've done that eternally. The truth is that within a couple of days, we good. We don't need more Thanksgiving leftovers. Like on Friday, we still enjoy them. Maybe on Saturday, we're still enjoying them. But by Sunday, we're done. Whereas you throw yourself a nice 4th of July barbecue, and you got a whole bag of burgers and dogs and chicken afterwards, you ain't sick of them, uh, Bamas, for a couple of weeks. You could, you You push it. You're like two weeks out. You're like, are these things still good? Can I still? Can I? And you still do because there's nothing greater than food that came off a grill in the middle of the summer. So the greatest leftovers will always be summer cookout leftovers, period. Those are the greatest leftovers. Thanksgiving leftovers are cool, and we enjoy them. And I assure you, I had plenty. I had plenty. I enjoyed myself. I, 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 uh, my bit for years has been um, uh, do a do your Thanksgiving sandwich, but do it with barbecue sauce. Yeah, uh, I love I love cranberry sauce. I love cranberry relish. Big cranberry relish guy. Never tried Big, it. Oh, it's ten and a half. In fact, I don't eat. I now do not eat my Thanksgiving plate. I will not eat turkey without. I do not put gravy on the plate because I don't need it for potatoes. I don't. If your potatoes need gravy, you got bad potatoes. Get better potatoes. Improve your potato life. The turkey does regularly need some gravy, right? Because we have to be honest about turkey. It's dry. It's dry. It's dry. You can get the dark meat and you can do your best, but 
You can try to leave, get maybe try to get a little bit that has some skin, and that gives you a little bit of a flavoring in there. You can do whatever you want, but turkey's dry. Better play cranberry relish on the turkey. Let me let me ask you something. Didn't you post something on the Would You Rather Wednesday of a cranberry pie, pickle with, pie, with, with, cranberry with, and pickle pie that I need to try? Yes, it, I need it, to it's attempt to make the it. Basically, the same thing, point. right? What do you mean? Basically the same thing, because relish is pickles. It's not. Right? Cranberry relish has nothing to do with pickles. Cranberry relish is just a relish that's made with cranberries. Oh, fair yeah, enough. It has nothing to do with pickles well, I, whatsoever. I, I stand yes. corrected. Yeah, I nothing to do with I, I think relish, I think pickles. I understand that, but this is a, a relish can be made with anything. You could use yeah. whatever. You could make a jalapeno relish. You can make a lot of relishes. Um, fair enough. You don't have to be related to pickles. It's just that we think of, we associate pickles with relish. Um, just encourage. You, 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 you're done. You're done with the leftovers. Go out and have a burger. I didn't have tonight. any leftover turkey. I had leftover ham and mashed potatoes and green bean casserole. I had zero wife made, leftover turkey. Wife made a casserole for dinner last night using all of the rest of the leftover turkey. She made a, what was it? It was a, it was fine. It wasn't, it was like a meal for the sake of using the rest of the turkey. Yeah. Right? Like, it was, it was fine. Now, if it you manage to make a soup with the rest of the turkey, I'm all for enjoy it. Enjoy some turkey soup. Uh, of course, enjoy turkey sandwiches. Who doesn't enjoy a nice turkey sandwich the next day? Um, but, but uh, you know, eh. Thanksgiving leftovers, I'm done. I'm done. Here we are. We come Monday. Come Monday. I don't need any more. Come Monday. I just like some regular-ass food in my life and not. <laughs> that's where I am. And that's why summer cookout leftovers, greater than sign, Thanksgiving leftovers, because you will eat that S for weeks. I, you will go back and say, when was that cookout we had? Was that, was that Memorial Day? What day is today? June 4th? October. No, I mean, maybe not that. <laughs> June 4th. Am I pushing it? Can I? Are these still good? Ah, hell. Let's just go with it. Like, you will eat that, those leftovers. You got a whole bag of sausages that were left over from a cookout. And you're just like, two weeks later, you're still enjoying those sausages. I'll tell you, we went to a tailgate last night, and, it, and they were about to shut down, so they let us eat for free, even though you're no, supposed to pay. It, it was awesome. There was nice one. There was one hot dog left. I ate it without the bun. I'll tell you something about tailgate hot dogs just hits different. I don't necessarily it, it, it was it was delicious. Don't necessarily it, it was disagree. Absolutely delicious. Tidbit of the day brought to you today by. Ooh, this one's brought to you by your Baltimore area Chick Fil A restaurant. Speaking of good ideas, if you're done with leftovers, and again, I think I know I am. If you are as well. Then enjoy a simple holiday meal. Try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options. Size perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. All right. This is a lot. The Ravens are the only team in the Super Bowl era to score fewer than 17 points, have fewer than 325 total yards, throw at least four more interceptions than the opponent, and yet still win the game. Teams with those numbers were 0-275-1 in the Super Bowl era entering last night. Also entering last night since 2015, quarterbacks have thrown four-plus interceptions in a game were 0-41. Andy Dalton before Lamar last night in 2013 uh, versus the Ravens was the last to throw four-plus picks and win. Lamar Jackson is the only quarterback this season to throw more than two interceptions in a game and still manage to win. We already noted that he's 4-0 in those games. The rest of the NFL is 9-59. Only eight quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown five interceptions in a, in a game and still won the game. Who were the two most recent quarterbacks to accomplish the feat? Five interceptions in a game and still won. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just going to toss out Brett Favre because it seems like something that he has done. Uh, it is not Brett Favre. Is that because it's happened more recently? Actually, or because there's a bonus question after this. And I gave a hint that says, hint, not Peyton Manning or Brett Favre. Ah, how about that? So it's um, since 2007, so I'll give you that. Okay. It's the two, the two guys who have done it rec- the so most probably recently, more recently are since 2007. Philip Rivers. No. It seems like something he would do. How about Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan in a 23-19 victory over the Arizona Cardinals on November 18th, 2012. Okay. Um... How about Matt Stafford? No. God, he stinks now, too. What the hell is going on? Yeah, they've fallen apart. They're a mess. Matt Schaub. I'm just going to go with all the mats. Is not it a mat? Is it a mat? It's not a mat. Is it a, it's not a mat. Uh, since 2007, you mm-hmm. say. Since 2007. So it's This might... guy did it in October of 2007. So it's probably not somebody who's still active, then. Probably not. So someone who's not still active, 2007. Matt Hassel. Oh, we said it wasn't a Matt. Yeah. God. <laughs> I named all of the Matt. All the Matts. Matt Flynn, not him either. Jesus. Uh, 2007. Dante Culpepper. He no. wasn't still. That was, he was no. done by 2007. I think he was done in 05. I mean, he wasn't done, but he was, you know, essentially done. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony Romer. Tony Romer. You know, 25 to 24 win okay. over the Buffalo Bills on October 8th, 2007. All right. Bonus question. Seven other quarterbacks have thrown five interceptions in a game and won. Four of them are Hall of Famers. Who are the four Hall of Famers to accomplish the feat again to hand not Peyton Manning or Brett Favre? I'm stunned by the Brett Favre situation. The, st- the Brett Favre situation is really... So we're just naming Hall of Fame quarterbacks now. Uh, how about uh, Terry Bradshaw? No. That's, Although he did throw more interceptions than that's, that's what makes it surprising. That's what makes it surprising. It seemed like an obvious choice. Three of these guys are actually really surprising. The other one I didn't even realize was a Hall of Famer. Joe Montana? No. Dan Marino? No. John Elway? John Elway. December 24th, 1985, and a win over Kansas City. Troy Aikman? No. Jim Kelly? No. Roger Staubach? No. Bob Greasy? Mm-mm. Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts. That's a guy I didn't realize he was a Hall oh, of Dan Famer. Dan Fouts was definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, September 14th, 1980, in a win over the Oakland Raiders. How many more are there? One or two? Two more. Two more. Uh, Warren Moon. Mm-mm. I'm telling you, I think you'd be very surprised that these guys, that these two guys did it. Len Dawson. No. Fran Tarkenton. No. Steve Young. No. Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas. November 29th, 1970, in a win over the Bears. Joe Namath. No. That wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. Why a tittle? No. Uh, how about how about uh, Ken Stabler? No. Uh, Sonny Jurgensen. No, sir. Hall of Fame. Kurt Warner. No. It's... Oh, man. For a long time, he was pretty much synonymous with that franchise. 
long time. He was pretty much synonymous. Bart Starr? Bart Starr. Bart Starr, September 24th, 1967, in a win over the Bears. One last bonus for you. Oh, my God. What do Matt Ryan and Bart Starr have in common in regards to their five interception victories? They both won? Well, yeah, but what else? They're the only two to win the game with five picks and no touchdowns. Well, how about that? How about that? All right, hey, uh, really quickly, uh, this is from Jamison Hensley on Twitter. Under John Harbaugh, the Ravens have now beaten the Browns 23 times. That's tied for the most victories by one team over another since the start of the 2008 season. Who is it tied with? So who is the other team that has 23 wins over another team since the 2008 season? So tell me who the two teams are. I'm going to say the Steelers over the Bengals. It's not the Steelers over the Bengals. It doesn't involve either of those It doesn't involve either of those teams. Um, The Packers over the Bears. doesn't involve either of those teams. It's got to be a division rival, right? Well, I mean, I don't know how you would have that many games. Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. Stupid stupid thoughts by me. Um, More than as many. Has the same number. 23 23 wins since since 2008 over one team. Over one team. Oh, it's got to be. The Patriots over the Jets. The Patriots over the Jets is the correct answer. That is the correct answer. That was from Jameson Hensley's Twitter account. All right. Uh, Tubular is brought to you today by the Tyus Bowser Show. We're back next Tuesday night, uh, December 7th, at the Bowman on Hartford Road in Parkville. Come join us for the Tyus Bowser Show, brought to you by Pressbox, Grade 8's memorabilia, as well as my bookie. Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, and Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com. We'll see you next Tuesday, December 7th, for the Tyus Bowser Show. Here's what's coming up, totally tubular-wise. Seahawks and football team for Monday Night Football on ESPN. No Manning cast broadcast on ESPN, too. They were like, yeah, the Seahawks and football team, we'll, we'll take the week off. Thanks so much. Uh, Also, overnight, there's a friendly between Australia and the U.S. of women. That's at 4 a.m. on ESPN. So if you're up early or, I don't know, up late, whatever it is, 4 a.m. tomorrow. ESPNU uh, has more of the Chris Paul HBCU Challenge. It includes Hampton and Morgan State at 8.30. The Big Ten ACC Challenge gets underway tonight on ESPN2 with Iowa, Virginia at 7 and Notre Dame, Illinois at 9. The rest of college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. NBC Sports Washington for Wizards Spurs at 8.30. NBA TV for Nuggets Heat at 7.30. The USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8 o'clock. Do you know there's a team in the uh, NBA that legitimately has won 16 consecutive games? It is the Phoenix Suns. It is the damn right it's the Phoenix Suns. Hell effing yes. It's the Phoenix Suns, the greatest team in all of American sports. I hope I didn't steal your thunder there. I saw you tweet no, about no, it yesterday. I was yesterday. very excited. Very excited about it. They beat uh, both the Nets and the Knicks on the road over the weekend. Nice. Good stuff. I'm happy for you. Thank you, pal. I would think we should all be happy. They should be our team. Our Phoenix Suns. <laughs> it's where Jalen Smith plays. Not sure if you're familiar. He's from Baltimore, so... It's the most Baltimore team we've got. There, <laughs> there you go. You got some uh, highlights for me non sports uh, ones. Nine one one on Fox at eight. A and E a new episode of Hoarders at eight. An intervention at ten uh, on CBS. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He has Peter Jackson and Chelsea Cutler on uh, Netflix. A documentary is premiering today. It's called Fourteen Peaks. Nothing is impossible. It's a Nepalese uh, mountaineer, Nimsday Persia. Ah. Uh, Love he, he, Day. He, he embarks on a seemingly impossible quest to summit all 14 of the world's 8,000-meter peaks in seven months. All right. Well, I wish him well. I wish him well. 
Uh, me too. <laughs> no, no, couldn't couldn't <laughs> be me. Couldn't be me. No, definitely not. No chance that would be the case. Anything else? Is, is that, that it? All right, yeah, that's about it, yeah. Thank you. All right, thanks today to... Oh, uh, uh, Tubular was also brought to you today by Window Nation. It's cold out. I don't know if you heard. It's cold. It's coat season now. There's no more getting away with hoodies any longer. It's it's officially coat season. It's the way that it goes, man. Cold weather's arrived. That means one thing. Higher energy bills. But the good news is that Window Nation is here to help for December only. Get a house of windows. A house of windows for only $99 a month. That's basically a cup of coffee per day. Call Window Nation today, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. Thanks today to Daniel Wilcox. Thanks also to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get that and Pat's on the ass up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Mike Tarico will join us tomorrow. He was on the call uh, last night, obviously, for uh, the Ravens win over the Browns. We'll talk to him about it. Also, Patrick Stevens joins us as he does every Tuesday. Uh, Maryland got a solid win over Richmond, but then weren't able to follow it up. They got out-rebounded by a billion against Louisville on Saturday morning. It was at 10 a.m., so you probably weren't watching, um, but they dropped that one. So we'll talk to uh, Patrick Stevens before their they, – they play Virginia Tech in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I was watching that game. They were up but with like two minutes left, and then they let Louisville go on like a 15 and Yeah, not great. Run. Not great. Bad. But, I mean, they, they when you get out-rebounded, I think it was like 50 to 25, you probably should lose. I mean, Louisville didn't score for like six minutes, and they still ended up going on that run and, and pulling out a victory. It was – It's what it is. It's yeah. what it is. We'll talk to Patrick Stevens about it tomorrow. And stuff and things, of course. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, K&S Automotive, the Maryland Lottery, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Baltimore Area Chick-fil-A Restaurants, the Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com, as well as my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley III. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go Morgan. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.